I always thought that match was there. It probably still is. I don't know. But I think for a one-off like that in Saudi Arabia, probably don't have to deal with Vince or any of them. And it would be, it'd be pot. That would probably be the most likely scenario that I could, I could go do one hard match and then go back to my stem cells. Professional wrestling superstar, champion, entrepreneur, author, and show host. Feed you more interviews, more stories, more information, and more laughs than ever before. <laughs> Conversation with the big, the big guy, Ryback, starts now. Welcome to Conversation with the Big Guy, Ryback. I am the big guy, Ryback, and this week... We got a great guest. This week, the interviewer of the stars is the one being interviewed. He's the one being asked the tough questions this week. Chris Van Vliet, it rhymes with meat. How you doing, pal? <laughs> I'm doing great, and you're right. I'm not usually on this side of the microphone. I'm usually the one asking the questions, asking the tough questions. So I guess you know I'll be on the receiving end this time. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. And we're talking before this, and you told me you interviewed me five years ago. And I, I go, what? <laughs> and uh, at Access in San Jose. So, and it was one of those quick, you said two minute ones, two and a half minutes there. They always grab us when we're doing those things. And well, the, uh, I hope I wasn't mean to you. No, you, you were very kind. Um, the, but the way that this whole connection came between us is I reached out to you on Instagram and said, I'd love to have you back on my channel. My channel's grown so much since the last time you were on. I'd love to have you on. You were you were uh, gracious enough to say, let's make it happen. So I'm flying to Vegas uh, at the end of the month, and we're going to make it happen. So I'm. So, it's so awesome that I get to be on your podcast first, though. No, I'm, I'm excited. And uh, either come out here to the house or uh, I'll come out there to the strip. But I saw I uh, my good buddy Dolph Ziggler. I laughed. I was watching one of your interviews with him in the hotel room, and uh, how you guys have you guys. You said you've interviewed him like sixteen or seventeen times. Yeah, I think it's like sixteen, seventeen times going back to. I lived in Cleveland before. I live in Fort Lauderdale now in Florida. I lived in Cleveland before, and um, I interviewed Ziggler for the first time there. And then every time he was home for the holidays or whatever, we just made it a point to do an interview. And now he's become my friend, and I reached out to him when we did that interview two weeks ago and I said, I've interviewed you so many times. Let's kind of flip the tables around, turn the tables around and you can interview me. And he's How'd like, that oh, go? I love that. To go all right. It was great. Yeah. Were you, uh, when you were in Cleveland, were you a Browns fan? Cause I, I checked with Dolph. I texted him yesterday. I go, Chris seems like he's a really, really cool dude. And, and, and Dolph again said, you're awesome. And uh, I go, is he a Browns fan? And he goes, ah, I don't think so. <laughs> I am. I am a Browns fan because uh, I'm, I'm originally from Canada. I'm originally from Toronto. And growing up in Toronto, you don't have an NFL team. You can just kind of pick and choose whichever one you want. I mean, I went to Bill's games because that was the closest city. But then when I moved to Cleveland, just the camaraderie around the Browns. And it's like it's the only game in town. It's the only thing to do on a Sunday. Yeah. And I was hooked. I'm a massive Browns fan. Nothing wrong with that. We're actually, I'm the same same boat as you being in Vegas. We never had pro sports teams. Sure. So I never really was like that in love with any, well, my dad like was from California, so LA teams. But with the Raiders coming here and we got the Vegas Golden Knights now and like hockey, this is a hockey town now in the desert. Like, Which who is so crazy. It is. And now we got the Raiders coming in. There's this huge influx of people moving into Vegas and uh, a lot of people from California are coming in. And it's... Uh, 
So I was like, man, this is going to be, it's going to be a different thing, but it'll be, it'll be nice to have a pro sports team to kind of latch on to now, I guess. Well, when I lived in Cleveland, like it didn't even matter if you went to the games because the tailgating itself was like this incredible sport. Like nobody tailgates like they do in Cleveland. Were you so a big we, tailgater? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What's your, what's your beer? Are you a big uh, beer drinker? Yeah, I'll drink pretty much anything. If you're um, friends with Dolph, I feel like you drink. You have to. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been living in Florida now for five years, so I feel like my my days of drinking copious amounts are kind of behind me. Because in Cleveland, that's in the winter, and the Browns aren't playing. Like for the other six days of the week, you basically just have to drink to you know kind of get by. Is that and it could be depressing being a Browns fan? I imagine at times oh my during God. if it's. The what are these seasons? They're going to turn it all around and just shut everybody up, though. Yep, these next two seasons are going to be unreal. But I, I lived in Cleveland for five years, and the best season, I believe, was 4-12. and 12. <laughs> <laughs> The best season. Yeah. It's the camaraderie and, and then hanging out before the games, though. That's the most important thing, Chris. Oh, yeah. So I, I drank any beer you put in front of me. Vodka's my go-to drink, um, but I'll mix vodka with pretty much anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I've tamed down over the years. I'm I'm a red wine guy now occasionally. Okay. I, yeah, except I'm, for if I'm out with Dolph, we got we got hammered on New Year's. So it was uh that that was a good time. I say I specifically saved my drinking day for Dolph like to go hard. And uh boy, did I regret it the next day. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what brought you to Fort Lauderdale? You you enjoying it out there? Because I actually really I lived in Florida for three years and it's beautiful out there. Well, uh, you can't say, you know, anything bad about the weather here, for sure. So yeah. grew up in Toronto. I hosted a TV show in Toronto. I was hosting a TV show in Vancouver, which is in a beautiful, incredible city. Uh, from there, back to Toronto to host a TV show. I was an entertainment reporter in Cleveland. So these are all very cold weather climates. And I knew I didn't want to be in Cleveland for the rest of my life. Although I love Cleveland. It's a great place. I just I knew I wanted to be somewhere warmer and uh, maybe a larger city. So I got offered this incredible opportunity to be an entertainment reporter for the Fox station here in Miami. And I host a, a show called Deco Drive. So yep. I interview celebrities. That's my main job is interviewing celebrities, going to movie premieres, um, reviewing movies. I also do some fun entertainment stuff in, in the city. Actually, earlier today, I was interviewing Seth Rogen. So that's like that's yeah. a typical day for me. When I first when you reached out on Instagram and I saw you and then I was looking. I was like, "Man, he interviews a lot." I, I just thought you interviewed pro wrestlers at first. I don't. I didn't had, remember us doing the interview anything. And I go, "Man, he's in good shape." I go, "But wrestlers seem to like him. He does good interviews and whatnot." <laughs> but I was like, "I in my meathead mind, I'm like, oh, he's in shape, so the wrestlers respect him, so he's getting the big interviewers." Little did I know you're interviewing guys like The Rock and all these big time movie stars. Right. And I looked at, it, I go, "Okay, I get it now." He's really, really good at what he does. Well, so. and thank you. One thing's kind of led to the other. Like, I mean, I've been in broadcasting now for 15 years, which is incredible. I've got, uh, maybe you can see behind me, I've got a, a trophy case full of Emmys and other things here. Yes. Which, yeah, You've I've done it all. Very to be able to win. So it's me being a wrestling fan um, has just allowed me to get better access to interviews and then hopefully do better interviews because I've done so many over the course of my career. But it all started out with me just doing wrestling interviews at the TV station I would work for. We'd air 10, 15 seconds, like just a little sound bite of the interview. And then you'd have 10 or 15 or 20 minutes of a great conversation that I enjoyed having because I was a fan. And I eventually just went, 
well, somebody needs to see this. So I just, I'm gonna throw it up on my YouTube channel. Didn't think anything of it. And here we are eight years later and you know, people actually enjoy watching these. What's the biggest thing you found doing interviews? Because uh, like from the time you started till now, like for me, I found kind of like, I t tend to talk a lot. So for me, the hardest thing I'd go back and listen and I'd be like, just shut up, Ryback, just shut up and uh, not cutting people <laughs> off. And I'm, I'm still not great at it, but I've gotten better. Is that what, well, is that something you I've had difficulty with at all or? Well, the biggest thing I've learned is uh, that nobody is clicking on one of my videos to see me. Um, and like I, I maybe, they're, maybe they're watching, you know, because I'm facilitating the interview and they like my style or they like the type of questions I ask, but nobody's clicking on my videos to see me. So that was like realization number one. And that led into the next realization was that I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to shut up and listen to that person and not just shut up and wait for them to be done. Cause a lot of interviewers do that. A lot of interviewers ask a question and then in their mind, as that person's answering, they're just going, all right, what's my next question? What's it going to be? I've already written it down. It, you know, it needs to be perfect. It's a conversation. You know, that's the name of your show. It's a conversation. So you've got to listen to what that person's saying. So, and one of the top comments I get on all my YouTube videos is, thank you for letting this person talk. Like, thank you for not interrupting them. And I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the whole point of this. I, I, I'm asking them a question and I genuinely care about the answer. So I think that, that that's a big thing there, tying that all together is I actually am genuinely interested in whatever the answer is gonna be. No, absolutely. I found, and you brought up a good point, is when you're talking with someone, for me, when I started doing the interviews, it's night and day from doing kind of a laid back show with your buddies or friends to interviewing somebody because the people tuning in are, are listening to hear that person and you don't want to be rude and cut them off and whatnot. But I found when you're talking to someone and listening to them and you get these thoughts like, oh, you want to, you want to touch on that. And so it's trying to organize that as you're doing the interview and try to keep it flowing naturally without cutting them off and letting the person speak. And like you said, having a conversation because you can have, I always do my notes on the show too. It doesn't go that way all the time. You got to kind of just go with the flow. And I was going to ask you, when you do your interviews, what is your prep like for that? When you go into it, like if you're, say you're going to interview The Rock, are you going in there on the fly with that? Or do you have a game plan going in? Yeah, no, I never go in on the fly. Uh, I like to watch interviews or listen to interviews that that person's done to kind of get a feel for maybe what their sense of humor is or where certain questions can go or where you can't go or what worked or didn't work for someone else then I'll just do as much research as I possibly can so that if the conversation goes somewhere else, I'll at least be aware of what they're referencing or what they're talking about. Um, I, I don't usually write out the full questions unless it's a super short interview. Like The Rock's a great example of that. You can't get a ton of The Rock's time. You know, I'm usually doing four or five minute interviews. He's promoting a movie. So my questions are extremely like uh, pointed and, and, and very directed. But when we're having like these long, long form interviews like I have on my YouTube channel where they're 20, 30, 45 minutes, I usually just have a list of topics that I want to hit on. I kind of know how I want to approach that. Yeah. And we just kind of go into it from there. And if other stuff comes up or if I thought that this might be my seventh question and now it's, you know, there's an opening for it now, I'll just kind of throw that in, see where the conversation goes. Very good. Do you ever, is there anybody... And maybe this was earlier on. Maybe it's still now. Is there anybody you ever get nervous for when you're going to interview? I don't think I get nervous now because I just realize it's just, you know, I'm just talking with another human being and they're no better or worse than I am. Yeah. But once you meet I, up the people, you realize everyone's just human, essentially. Right. Yeah. No, totally. 
Although I've interviewed The Rock now like nine times and I get a little nervous because first of all, the setup for doing a celebrity interview, like a, a movie interview, is already like extremely very weird. Like, is it? They fly you out to usually LA is yeah. where I do the interviews with The Rock. So they're flying you out there. They're putting you up in a hotel. You see the movie. Then the next day, you go to another hotel like lobby, and you're just basically waiting. And you're like, all right, you're you're fourth in line. You're third in line. Uh, now, there's all this anticipation, and you're like, well, you know, I, if these other interviews before didn't go well, well, maybe my interview's not going to go well. So I will start to get nervous for the Rock interviews because I know how much is riding on it. The Rock does not talk about wrestling that often. And I always try to slide in a wrestling question. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to be received. So I always get nervous. I'm like, oh, if he doesn't, if this doesn't go well, the, the, then the interview won't go well. And then people, you know, might not want to watch it. So that's the only thing I could really get nervous about is just kind of like looking forward too many steps and just hoping it's going to live up to the hype that I've created in my head for it. Yeah, well, he's separated himself so much from wrestling, too, and it's it hasn't, I feel like before him, it, like, it almost kind of hurt you being a wrestler trying to get into acting, it seemed like, and he yeah. kind of paved the way, and he had to work really hard and separate himself, so it's kind of like just, he doesn't need to talk about it anymore. When he's there, he's there. When he's not, he's got all these other things going on, and it's like, he's just, he he's paved the way, man, for what you can do if you take that momentum and apply it to something else and, and take that that work ethic, man, he's killing it. Oh, and he's the type of guy with that work ethic that he could do anything he wants and he would be the best in the world at it. I think he's making tequila next. He's going to take over the alcohol. <laughs> We're like this smart man. And it's going to be the top selling tequila in the world. It's like Connor like doing that. I was like, what a brilliant, brilliant move doing that. It's like, uh, I invest heavily in marijuana, alcohol and marijuana. These things, they're going to, they're always going to sell no matter if the economy is great or bad. And uh, he's red hot, and you attach your name to something like that while you're red hot, and I no doubt it's going to be amazing. Well, that's the thing about The Rock has keyed in on his branding. He's yeah. so good. He's so surrounded himself with the best people. He's laser focused on exactly what that branding is, and he's selling that branding to the masses. And you know, you say the name The Rock to a man or a woman, old or young, and they're going to have something positive to say about him. And there's not too many other celebrities that have that. No, he the following he is he has gotten for himself is on a whole other level of anybody else. It no. has just it's very admirable, and that and the guy the work ethic, and, and he's a he's a machine, and with a physique too. And I was going to ask you, did he, did he ever compliment your physique at all? No, that's a that's a great. Well, the, <laughs> you need to wear tighter shirts, Chris, for these interviews. Apparently, that should be your goal for the next rock interviews for him to compliment the guns. <laughs> the first interview I did with him, I was, I was trying to like have something that's a little bit fun or a little bit you know outside the box, and this was like two thousand, like early two thousand twelve. I was doing this interview with him, and he had just done something in a movie. I can't remember which movie it was where he was doing like the the peck popping. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh well, you know. Could we could we like do a peck pop off? And he's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if if I do it for you, can you like judge it? He's like, uh, oh, okay, all right. And I did it. And he's like, oh, what? Yeah, what, that's that's weird, man. You got to slow that down. Like that 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 just looks funny. And like, it looks like you're seizuring or something. Turned into a fun moment. But like, I wanted him to like, I wanted him to be the Rock. Yeah. And the first time I interviewed him, he was Dwayne. And I, and 
it's funny because it was at a WWE setting. It was backstage at Raw in Cleveland. Uh, and I wanted him to be the rock. I wanted him to like raise the eyebrow and call me out. And he was being Dwayne and he was in promo mode, which was still awesome. But I wanted him, like I asked him about like the art of a stare down because he was just preparing for his first uh, WrestleMania match with John Cena. And he's like, ah, you know, there's, it's about, about intensity. And I'm like, so like, you know, what's, what's the key? Like you lock in on the eyes. Like clearly I'm trying to bait him into like having a stare down with me. And he's like, oh, that's just, you know, it's just kind of something that just happens. And I'm like, okay, all right. You need to, on this next interview, I, I personally would love get one of those muscle shirts where you, but it's not too noticeable, <laughs> where you're beefing up as the interviews go on with him, like where you're just, just searching for that one compliment from The Rock on your physique. <laughs> I, uh, I, got, I did get The Rock to shout, it doesn't matter at me, which was a career highlight. That's saying something if he doesn't talk about wrestling much and get him getting him to do that. So that's yeah. not easy. And it caught me off guard too. Like I, I had him, I, I tried to get him to set it up and he, he went right for it and it still, it caught me off guard. Have you ever had any awkward moments with people, I guess, doing these interviews with all the interviews that you've done and, and whatnot? Has there just been like anything just beyond awkward? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That you you can talk about, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I know, for sure. And they're out there. I've had some viral moments uh, that if you type my name into YouTube, other than the wrestling interviews, you'll see some viral moments where there's one where I uh, asked Anne Hathaway. um, She was preparing for The Dark Knight Rises. She was going to play Catwoman. And I was interviewing her for another movie called One Day. But the photos of her as Catwoman had just come out for the very first time. So I'm like, I got to ask her about this. Yeah. And I hadn't really prepared the verbiage of my question. So I just said, you know, we just saw the first photos. How do you fit into that suit? And she gave me this funny answer about how she's been working out or whatever. And I said, how much weight did you lose to get into the shape to play this role? And she's like, how much weight did I lose? What a forward young man you are i can't believe you're asking me this and she's Uh, she's joking but you can tell there's some seriousness to this and i posted it and the interview now has four million views or something and it's gone viral but you know and i I've, i've taken a lot of crap for this but then i you know i flip this around and go we all, we've all asked Christian Bale about his weight gain and his weight loss. Yeah. We talked to Renee Zellweger about gaining weight for uh, Bridget Jones. Yep. You know, this is not an uncommon topic. And then, then Anne Hathaway, two years later, wins uh, an Oscar in Les Mis for losing a bunch of weight. For people in that the industry, they have to change their looks all the time to take on different roles. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. But it's crazy just something like that. You never know what's going to be a hit with the Internet these days and what's not. But they, people love real moments like that. So, so that moment went viral. I had a moment where I sat down with, uh, this is probably my most infamous or famous moment. I sat down for a minute in an interview with Leslie Mann and Dakota Johnson for a movie called How to Be Single. And I guess they had done so many interviews that day, they were a little bit loopy, and they just started hitting on me the whole interview. Really? And Leslie Mann out of nowhere is like, are you single? And I'm like, I, I am. I was single at the time. She's like, Oh my God, you're cute. And she's like yelling to her assistants and her makeup people off camera. While the interview is going on. Yes, it's all on camera. This is on YouTube. Yeah, you can look this up. She's like, there's a hot guy here, guys. We got to set you up. And then she's like, will you you take off your shirt? And I'm like, take off my shirt. Wow. And this is like two-ish years ago. So before the whole Me Too movement was, you know, really happening, this would not fly now. Um, 
but yeah, that we, we, it was like three, four minutes of them just hitting on me, asking me to take my shirt off. And yeah, it's, uh, it's quite, <laughs> it was super fun. Um, but it was also like in hindsight, looking back on it, just like, I can't believe that happened. You're trying to be professional and do an interview, and yeah, these but I'm moments... also trying to like, also trying to have fun and yeah. like make a moment out of it. They ended up both going on like late night talk shows, and like because this moment went so viral, they were like talking about me on Seth Meyers and talking about me on the Today Show. It was a crazy thing. Free publicity with all that, man. That's... Yeah. Working out pays off, Chris. I was going to say, what kind of routine do you do? How often are you in the gym? Because you're a hustler. You're traveling all over the world here doing interviews. What yeah, What is the diet and workout routine like for you? So you know, you know, you know when, when you work out, it's part of your routine, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter how much sleep you had. So for me, it's four or five days a week, and I'm on that bodybuilding split where I'm going one body part a day right now. So chest is one day, back is one day, arms, shoulders, and then legs. Um, I do a lot of running. I do a lot of cardio and I'm just, you know, I'm trying to be lean because you never know when I live in Miami. I live yeah. you know, near a beach. You never know when you got to have abs out there. That's the thing. You never know when uh, there might be a, an opportunity to do a photo shoot and that's come up. So uh, my diet's super clean in terms of it's, it's simple though. I'm like, a protein, a carb, or a fat, and a green with every meal. That's yeah. basically it for me. I Man, I, I tell people that no matter, because I've tried it, we talk about it on this show all the time, tried so many different diets, that I just tell people no matter what, whether you do keto, don't do keto, whether you do carbs, uh, salads and vegetables, I said, you will never go wrong on. You've never heard anybody that's out of shape and or sick that eats a lot of vegetables and salads, no matter what else, if you want to eat a lot of fats with that, or a lot of protein and moderate carbohydrates, but it's, uh, I've had some different genetic tests done where I know for me, like keto doesn't work well with me. I don't process fats. Well, I actually do better with carbohydrates, but I still limit those, but vegetables and salads all day long, man. And it, it's just so much better for you. I'm such a sucker though for chicken wings oh, and pizza. Yep. Same here. And, uh, and I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not like the cleanest eater all the time. I basically believe in like, if you're already eating five, six, seven meals a day, uh, which is what I do. Um, if one of those meals that day or four of those meals that week aren't clean, yeah. you know, you had 30 of them that were. Yep. So, and I know that, I know you've been doing a lot of fasting, uh, you know, you, you talk a lot about that, but I'm, I'm like, I got to eat first thing in the morning. Tim Ferriss talks about 30 grams of protein within the first 30 minutes of waking up. And yeah. for me, that's worked so well. And I think that that's the biggest you know, takeaway from all of this diet talk is you've got to do what, what works for you. Thank and you. for me, it's, um, it's super clean. I, I, you know, I cook six to eight chicken breasts at a time on a Sunday and that'll last me till you know, Wednesday and do it all again over, you know, do it all over again. Um, so you got to find what works for you. And for me, it's, a lot of chicken breast and hot sauce, uh, some salmon every once in a while, um, clean carbohydrates like sweet potatoes, uh, brown rice. Uh, I'm doing a lot of avocados, especially in the morning with egg whites. You know, it's it's it's, it's not rocket science. You know, yeah. just don't be stuffing your face with uh, you know Big Macs every day. Yeah, you no, know, you brought up a good the intermittent fasting, and I say the same thing that you just said that you. We have a lot of people online, like keto people or intermittent fasting people, and they're kind of, there's a lot of them are selling something and they're telling you that's the only way you have to eat. 
I found out I literally try everything and I'll do it for three, four, five, six months and see how I react to it. But I found doing the intermittent fasting, I was doing 20 hours a day of no food and only eating for four hours. My metabolism actually slowed down. I was doing my hour of cardio, my big, you know, hour and a half, two hours of weight training. And I was holding on my body fat. I wasn't as lean as I normally was. And I'm like, my diet has never been better, but the fasting, and I talked to like some different fitness people and, and whether you look at bodybuilders, the people that do drugs or don't do drugs, you don't see any bodybuilders necessarily doing that with fasting or keto or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to kind of keep that metabolism going. But I found there's, if you do a one 24 hour fast per week, you get all the health benefits of fasting and you eat normal the other six days. So for me, that's what I found. I've been doing it and, and just loving uh, the results of that and, and just trying to get in the best shape possible. But you got to do what's best for you. And the only way you know that is by trying things and yes. what works for you might not work for me. And I'm the same, man. I, I find I feel better now eating again morning to night and just eating healthy and putting clean fuel in my body. I, and I completely agree with that. And I think there's way too many people who are not in shape or, uh, you know, aren't eating well. And they're trying to make this jump from like, you know, their terrible habits and their terrible diets right into something like keto or fasting or whatever, because they hear it's the latest craze. You got to find what works for you. And you can't just go from like being the guy who eats fast food every single day to being the guy who's meal prepping the next day. It just is not going to work for you. Changing that Tim Ferriss talks about that habits. They, it takes a while to change habits. And yeah. we live in a world and we talk about it on here where every corner, we're, this world is filled with people trying to sell a lot of bad stuff everywhere yeah. and a lot of misinformation out there and getting maneuvering our way through this world is not easy and you have to be self-aware but i think that that's a great point you just don't all of a sudden some maybe once in a blue moon somebody can just quantum flip it around right there and change their ways altogether but more often than not it, it's a gradual process of, of of doing that and if you have the mindset where you are able to do that you know if you're a high achiever already and you want to dive into something like that it's probably going to be no problem for you. But if you have trouble committing to something, you're not going to be able to commit to five days of working out. You're not going to commit, be able to commit to eating clean every single day. That is, you're going to relapse in such a hurry. Absolutely. I agree. Chris, I noticed you're, we're about the same age. You're 35. I'm 35. You're yeah. going to be 36 coming up here, right? Yeah. A couple of weeks. Happy, happy early birthday here. Yeah, with that. All right, thank you. The, so growing up wrestling wise, cause I was kind of in that, I, I was a WWF guy growing up. Brett, Sean, British Bulldog, Razor Ramon, all those guys, Undertaker. Is that the era you kind of got into? Or were you even... I had memories of Hogan and Warrior and Andre when I was really little, but I, I was I didn't remember a lot of that. It was more like that 10, 11, 12 age for me. Yeah, that for, I, for me, I remember seeing it at my grandfather's house when I was like six, seven, eight-ish. But my, my parents, especially my dad, hated wrestling. Like, hated it. My dad oh. did too. I was not allowed to watch it. Yeah, my dad so, hated the same thing, man. Right, so when I was 15-ish, I had a best friend of mine, I'm really into bass fishing, so that was my fishing buddy. He watched it every single Monday night, so when we talked on the phone, I knew at nine o'clock, we had to get off the phone because he was gonna watch Raw. Yep. And I'm like, why are, you, why are you watching that? It's so stupid, I was a high school wrestler at the time, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's fake, of course, because yeah. I'm doing the real thing, I'm a high school wrestler. And then I just started watching it and I remembered why I loved it so much as a kid. And my dad 
would found out that I was watching it and he got so angry. He would stand in front of the TV with his arms folded. I remember he's like, I can't believe you're watching this pornography. <laughs> My dad was so, so angry. So I would have to like, I'd have to do that sneaky thing you did as a kid where like you'd have the, um, the last channel, like you'd be able to hit the, like the last channel button. So Same if, I heard here. My, if I heard my dad coming down the stairs to the basement where I was watching this, I'd have to like quickly flip over to, I don't know, something like baseball or something. I would have a sports thing on. There would always be some baseball, basketball, something to make it look like. Right. So eventually after like uh, a year or two of my dad being so angry about this or me having to on Mondays watch this at someone else's house, um, he finally was just like, all right, you know, if this is going to be my son's thing, this is going to be his thing. I don't need to like it or whatever, but this is going to be his thing. And I was in a backyard wrestling federation. <laughs> I was the champion of a backyard wrestling. Hell yeah. Chris but, Sharp was my wrestling name. <laughs> this is the information I was going for here. This is where I was, where I was going with this whole thing. I was, uh, I was very inspired by, uh, so yeah, so I'm 16, 17. So this is 98, 99. 2000. So super inspired, of course, by The Rock. Um, I loved uh, Jeff Hardy with his high flying stuff. Then I started just watching everything. I was watching Raw on Monday. I would flip between Raw and Nitro. I'd watch yep. SmackDown. I was watching Thunder. I watched ECW on Fridays. I'd watch Heat. I'd watch everything. And uh, I, I wanted to be a wrestler. I wanted to do exactly what you guys are doing. And I remember uh, I my grandfather gave us um, like a big like cash gift for Christmas one year and I'm like I can't believe this I was 19 years old he gave us all the grandchildren $5,000 for Christmas oh wow with the hope that we would put this towards our tuition yeah <laughs> you went and bought championship belts <laughs> and I, I opened up the envelope and I went this is it I'm going to wrestling school I can't believe this I'm going to wrestling school so I, I went out and bought a car and I was going to drive this uh, 1990 red Honda Civic hatchback to wrestling school uh, and I started, I started going to wrestling school in Toronto and between going to college and trying to go to wrestling school, which was an hour away each way, four days a week, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, and all day Saturday and Sunday, number one, that cuts into a hell of a lot of drinking time when you're in college. <laughs> yes. And number two, it was $250 a month, which, you know, doesn't seem like that much money now when you're a grown up, but when you're in college, it's a lot of money back then. $250, that's like 250 beers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I wanted to do it so badly, and it was my passion, and it was my dream, but it was also like I, I knew I had to be smart, and I knew I had to finish college first before I would go into that. So, I went to wrestling school for a couple months. Angelina, jo uh, Angelina. Love was there at the time. Um, yep. Tracy Brooks was at the school at the time. What school is so that? Was it was called uh, the Squared Circle in Toronto. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of people come out of there. Um, Ron Hutchinson was running a school there where Edge and Christian train, and yep. basically his school kind of uh, you know merged with this school, and you got a lot of those same people. So I was doing it for a little bit, and then kind of realized I had to do the school thing first. I had to do yeah. the college thing first, and I'm super glad I got a communications degree, and that's. Certainly helped me if my made the right call. Yeah, and I'm, now I'm still involved in the wrestling world. I'm a ring announcer, you know. Sometimes I'm, I have my wrestling YouTube uh, channel, which is exploding, and it's uh, you know it's funny how life has a way of working itself out. Yeah, you got a positive mindset. That PMA Bob Backlund always talk, have, talks about having a positive mental attitude, and you can tell you have it. But I'm glad you actually. I wish every 
wrestling fan, everybody could understand the physicality that goes into being a professional wrestler. What was it like your experience in that training? Because I remember for Tough Enough for me, the first day of taking bumps, I had a headache going to bed my entire body. I thought, and I played football growing up in high school, and I, I felt pain. There's nothing that equated to, to that experience of learning to be a pro wrestler and going through bumps and, and all the, that first week of training. Well, I mean, doing the backyard wrestling, I thought I knew how to take a bump. Um, Do you guys <laughs> wait, have a ring? No, we didn't have a ring. Okay. We were bumping on blue, like those thin blue, like gym mats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One, so like we and I was bumping okay when I went to wrestling school. They're like, oh, you kind of know what you're doing. Uh, what really got me the first week or so of wrestling school was running the ropes. Yep. Because the first time you hit the ropes, it just you know it takes all the wind out of you. <sighs> Eats away at the, your sides. Just turn, oh gets raw. God. Your lat on that one side on your right side is raw and tender and black and blue. And I remember looking in the mirror the next day and looking at my lat and it was from like under my armpit to all the way down the middle of my back was black and blue. And it was like, it was tender to the touch. Yeah. And I'm like, how am I going to go to wrestling school again tomorrow? Like, I don't know how I'm going to run the ropes again tomorrow. That's the worst pain going when you're hurting like that, because it's such a weird pain. It's like, and you know, when you hit those ropes again, it's going to, you eventually just go numb, but it's. It's a whole other experience of, of actually feeling pain that I wish everybody could actually understand that even the most simple, basic things is a skill. Yes. And I remember them saying like, oh, you'll build up a callus to it. I'm like, a callus on my back? Yep. Like, you got calluses on your fingers and on your palms, a callus on my back? And sure enough. But I remember going into like, and, and like what is it called? The the um, the universal spot, the... the um, you know, the one spot, like tackle, drop down, hip toss or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I remember doing that like just a couple weeks in a wrestling school and being like, I'm a, I'm a wrestler. Like, <laughs> I, I can actually do this thing. Although as, as soon as you get up from whatever it is, the, you know, the hip toss or however you end it, I remember just being like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. The breathing is a whole other, the conditioning. Oh my God. I have an immense amount of respect for anyone who's doing this on any level, whether you're in your first match on the Indies or whether you're doing this at WrestleMania, like it is not easy at all. In fact, I did a wrestling story last year. Gangrel has a wrestling school pretty close to where I live in Dania beach. And I went in there, I took some bumps. We made a TV segment out of it. He was actually pretty impressed that I knew how to take a bump. I'm like, I did this like 15 years ago. You need to lie and say it's the first time really yeah. impress people. I've never done this, guys. You should, you should do a match. I'm like, oh, I don't think we need to do a match. You never know, Chris. You keep this up. You could be in WrestleMania. You never know. Well, after what you've said about WWE, I don't think I want to be at WrestleMania. No. <laughs> I always say everyone needs to go experience it to get their own, form their said, own opinion on it. I said to Gangrel, I said, uh, you know, I, I, I've trained before. I mean, I've taken some bumps with you here today. It'd be such an honor for you to give me the Impaler DDT. And he's like, okay, sure, let's do it. So while the cameras are rolling and we're mic'd up, he gave me the Impaler DDT and I took it so badly. Really? You're, you're supposed to, you know, kind of flatten out and land flat on your stomach, right? Yep. <laughs> jumped a little too high and Gangrel's a big dude. Yeah, he and is. He lifted me up and he spiked me on my head. Ooh. And... Um, I folded right over and I, I got winded and he pinned me for the camera. And then he kind of leans over. He goes, dude, you're going to kill yourself doing that. And I'm like, oh, I know I can't breathe. Oh, 
man. And the video is on YouTube if you want to watch it and laugh at it. So I'm, I'm going to look this up when we're done. <laughs> I was going to ask you if there was anything you had trouble doing wrestling when you first, that wrestling school, because everyone has some, some things they can't do. I remember for me, when I was with Bill DeMott, taking those front bumps, there were a lot of guys in it's a school that were having trouble taking a front bump. Huh. And Bill was riding my ass, but I, that was one thing. I had no fear taking those front bumps. It, it just, you had to let your body go limp and be really loose and relaxed. And I, I think you're on the, that DDT with him. Are you supposed to take a front bump on that kind of, and you kind of t- try to take like the old school DDT where you go. You're flattening out and you're basically putting your arms up and you're just, you know, your whole body is flattening out and you land yeah. on your arms. And I landed on my head. Ah. <laughs> uh. But the thing that thing in wrestling school that was tough for me was arm drags. It okay. took me a while to get arm drags. It's it's a lot a lot of it's everyone has their thing where it's there's just something that might be a little off and it's not not always easy. But man, it's people, uh, don't, people don't realize how much a hip toss hurts. Like that is just a straight up yep. like that's a, that's a tough bump to take. Well, every bump is, is the. And talking with people and different chiropractors and doctors, they equate, I forget what the exact speed is, but it's like being in a small car crash with every bump wow. that, and you think about that. And then your body just becomes callous to it. The more that you do it and whatnot. And like I said, when I left WWE, I'd been injured. That was the reason I left was I was so hurt. But when I left that pain amplified because the adrenaline went away and the things that they were giving me that I didn't know that were holding me together, I wasn't getting those anymore. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, what the did I just do to myself from going nonstop for five years and doing all this heavy lifting and all these moves? And it's it's a, it's a whole other ball game. And I just I, I wish some fans had more respect for what all the talent go through, top to bottom. It, it is, man, it's a whole other experience. But going back to your father, it's funny because you triggered something in my brain. My dad... Uh, good old Roger, he, uh, man, the only time we ever got, and I guess you could say a fight growing up, he would always like, when I started getting bigger and getting older, he would be the same thing watching the blah, blah, blah. And I played baseball, football. He's like a real sports guy, but, uh, he would, I would do the same thing with the channels or if I had it on in the living room and come in, he's like, get this off and do <laughs> turn the, put it on the baseball game or the football game. And there was one time he would always like try to like wrestle with kind of play around. You want to go, you want to go. And we never, he, I was already surpassed him at this point. And, uh, (laughs) but there was one time we like got in an argument over something and he made a really, really bad comment about wrestling. And it like, just really insulting to me. And I don't remember exactly what it was. And I would never hit my father or anything of that, but I grabbed him. And I didn't even mean, I was so angry, Chris. I ripped his entire shirt off and didn't mean to rip his entire shirt off. Wow. And this is when I knew that I was like, well, I got to be careful. Like this is uh-huh. shirt literally ripped, like just, just from grabbing so hard. And uh, now he has all my wrestling figures all around his TV yeah. and he would always <laughs> watch me and, and he's very proud and, and whatnot. But man, it was growing up with very similar fathers on, on that end. So and it's not an easy thing to deal with. I'm just a super passionate person. Like whatever I get into, I'm like super passionate about broadcasting. It's, it's guided my entire career with uh, with YouTube. You know, it's really helped me out too. I said it in the Dolph interview, and you know, it's a phrase that's you know really shaped my life. Is vague goals get vague results. Yeah. You know, 
and, and specific goals get specific results. So when I really dove into wrestling and that became the thing that I was loving and passionate about, I think my, my dad and my parents, you know, just respected that and knew that they didn't have to agree with it. But if this was something that I was into, uh, they were just going to have to support that. Absolutely. You brought up a good point there, man. I'm actually reading a book right now called Psychology of Champions. And they just interviewed all the greatest sports players growing up. And I've always been very goal oriented and, yeah. and whatnot. And when I, with my injuries the last couple of years and having to kind of readjust some of my visions and whatnot, this book woke up, woke me up a little bit too, to sometimes when you tell people to set goals, I've always, and I'll set really, really big goals. And I found though, for me, I'd rather sometimes shoot overshoot. And then even if I come up short, I'm still way ahead of where I was. Of course. But it's re reading this book and hearing how different athletes think. There's some athletes that just, it's like uh, for this podcast, say, you know, I want uh, 250,000 uh, downloads every week. Rather yeah. than doing that, there's also, I'm just going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to put out a quality show every week. I'm going to devote all my time in trying to get the best guest. That's a different mindset that also creates really great results too. And yeah. you don't sometimes have to, and I've learned this just for me, you don't necessarily have to hit a specific target all the time, but it's just, it's setting some sort of goals. And, yes. and but it's like a different, it's a work ethic thing where it kind of just opened my eyes to a different way of looking at things or like a baseball player saying every time he goes up to the plate, his goal, I think it was Matt Williams. It was just hit the ball as hard as I can. Just put, make great contact every time. He didn't have any yeah. specific goal, so to speak, but he was a great baseball player for the Giants yeah. and just kind of looking at things in a little different way as I've, as I've gotten older and whatnot, but it's helped me. Well, I think for me, a lot of people set these vague goals like, uh, well, I want to grow my podcast. Yeah. Well, if you get one more download this week, you've grown your podcast. Yep. Or people will go, I want to lose some weight this year. Well, if you lose one pound, you've lost some weight this year. So I think you need to be more specific. Like, I, I want to lose 20 pounds by June 1st. Or I want to lose 25 pounds by December 31st. Now you are accountable to not only a date, but also to an amount of weight. And I think a bigger, bigger thing is put this out into the world. Yeah. Put it on Twitter or Instagram. Like, Hold yeah. yourself accountable. So this year, I, I uh, you know, like a lot of big CEOs, Mark Zuckerberg does this. I want to learn a new skill every single year. So this year, I decided I've never played piano before in my entire life. So this year, I decided I'm going to learn how to play piano. Oh wow! And and I'm gonna from January 1st to December 31st, I'm gonna take lessons, and I'm gonna learn how to play piano. So I bought a piano. I'm taking lessons. We're going to make a TV segment out of this showing that on day one, I don't even know what any of the keys on the keyboard are. Beep, beep, bloop. I don't know what I'm doing. You're starting from square one. Starting from square one. And in December, I'm going to play uh, a recital. Like I'm going to be on stage playing Beethoven in front of a crowd. You're going all the way with this. Oh, yeah. I'm already like halfway it. through learning uh, Moonlight Sonata. Man, and no matter what, this is going to be a success. Because even if you go out there and it's the worst thing ever, it's going to help grow your channel even more. Because you put yourself out there and just taking people love people that do stuff like that and take chances. The whole chances. point of this, the whole point is just to show people that anything is possible. Anyone can do anything. Because way too many people go, "Oh, I could never do that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just not the type of person to do that." I'm like, why? Why not? If if someone else is doing something that you want to do, you can absolutely do that thing. Yep. You just got to get out of your own way. Humans are so talented. There's nothing so talented. And it, 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 you, you hit the nail on the head with that. It's just sometimes just putting yourself out there and taking a chance and not worrying about what anyone, just doing something you want to do. And we can, like, 
I remember I, I could never, I never knew how to do backflips as a kid. It was driving me crazy. I always wanted to learn. I went, man, when I got off the road here and my back was a mess and it was killing me, but I went to the trampoline park and I just got somebody there. There's all these kids there doing all these flips. They're amazing. And I'm looking around. The parents are all sitting there. The kids recognize me. I'm like, oh man, the pressure's on. I had to get one of the instructors and I just, can you help me learn how to do backflips? And they kind of gave me some instruction. 45 minutes later, I'm doing backflips. That's insane. And like, it was, and it, that's just a very simple thing. It's it, That's no piano by any means, but like, in my head though, I never thought I would be able to ever do a backflip and getting over that fear and just, and just put myself out there and signing some autographs for kids. And then there's big old dumb Ryback doing backflips over there. And, but I did it and it was the greatest feeling in the world and what, and I was like, man, I could do anything. <laughs> well, I, I would like to suggest a book to you called the talent code. Uh, if you haven't read it, I'm writing this talent code, the talent code. Talent and it code. talks about how like, you know, there's, there's always that idea out there of like, oh, he's just, that's a God-given ability. He was just born with it. And he goes through very specific examples, Tiger Woods, Mozart, and the list goes on and on and on of the greats and how they were just surrounded by great coaching and they were surrounded by excellent teaching and they worked on their negatives instead of their positives. And that's what made them great. Tiger Woods' father was an incredible golf teacher. He started golfing when he was two. That helped him more than any quote-unquote God-given ability that he might have had. Yeah, you know, it's it's applying yourself and it's hard work and, and being passionate about what you do and, like I said, having a positive mental attitude. And But like humans and anyone out there listening, you truly can do anything you really want if you really set your mind to it and just go all, go all for it. And you might not be the best at it, but you, you could truly... You can never go wrong just taking chances and trying if you really, really want to do something because there's nothing yeah. worse than just sitting back and not doing something and you can always improve and that whole that whole positive mental attitude thing is i think so many people have one little bad thing that happens to them during the day and they're like oh fml worst day ever i can't believe this yep. well did you really have a bad day or did you have a bad five minutes bad moment right and if the other 23 hours and 55 minutes were mediocre or okay well why don't you focus on that instead of the five minutes of your day that you didn't like Dude, I, 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 and I, I go through this very thing with having my business and things will go wrong and I have to like just take a deep breath and I'm like, okay, that's over with and moving on. But it, it's when you dwell on negatives or you let a moment like that, because the moment negative moments happen, bad things happen. And, but yeah. you, if you could shift out of that as quickly as possible, but, yeah. and I find myself this and I've had to really with people I talk to, when you sit there and like. You, you have three bad things that happened to you and, and you're dwelling on it still and you're talking about, you're feeding into that, that negative energy, creating yes. more bad problems for yourself. And I, I'm a firm believer in that. And you got to try to, it's not easy with the world we live in, but try to get your mind just in a positive way. And I've always, the, the thing I always heard was don't let a bad, a bad day doesn't mean you're having a bad life, you know, and it's, it's the same thing. A bad moment doesn't mean you're having a bad day. But we sometimes let those moments just overwhelm us. And humans, by default, I think, like to complain at times and whatnot. And I think we all need to at different times. But we also need to try to, you, you know, if, if I'm talking to you and, and you're a really negative person and I'm kind of a negative person, we're not doing each other any favors. We're yeah. just, we're bringing each other down. It's like, no, come on, man, get out of it. Let's go. It's going to be a great day. You want to surround yourself with people that can help you. Get out of that too, if you if you do, because we all kind of get into that, I think, at times. But great point. 
Well, I, I've, I've been, you know, really harping on the fact that like your job is the most important relationship you're going to have in your life. And I think that so many people put so much pressure on who am I dating or who am I going to marry or whatever. You spend more time at your job than you spend with your family, than you spend with your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. And so many people just take a job for the sake of having an income. Yeah. And you and I are super fortunate that our passions have driven what our income is now. Yeah. But that's not by mistake. No. You know, that that's something that we've gone out and we've cultivated for. made happen. Yeah. I and I, I set that out as a very specific goal in college. I remember having a just an epiphany, waking up in my senior year of college, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks, like, oh my God, when when I graduate this year, I'm gonna have to go to work. Yep. Like it's no more sleeping in, it's no more do I feel like going to class, it's no more where are we drinking tonight or where are we ordering pizza from? It's like in seven months or eight months, I'm going to have to wake up at six, seven, eight a.m. every single morning yeah. for the next 40 years of my life. Absolutely. So I just decided in that moment, I'm going to try to have a job that I don't hate. Like that, that was the bar, a job I don't hate. And now I'm fortunate to be able to go like, I've got a job that I love between being on TV and interviewing the celebrities I do, the YouTube channel that I've grown now. And, you know, you talk about running a business and I, I have a business as well. I have a bass fishing company. Yeah. Um, called Woo Tungsten, <laughs> partly inspired by Ric Flair, but also partly inspired because you say woo when you catch a big fish. That is the... <laughs> and running a company is like, man, that's just a whole other beast, as you know. Yeah, it is. Uh, I tell people when you have a business, you, you, you have to learn to become a very efficient problem solver very quickly and uh, nothing gets done unless you fix it. And other people's problems that do stuff for you become your problems. And if you just sit back and you go, oh, I'm not going to deal with this right now. Well, it's not going to get fixed. And yeah. you have to learn. My patience uh, level has, has improved tremendously from the time I started. And, and I've learned not to let, because I, I have things where those bad, bad moments would stack up sometimes. And yeah. there's just, and, there, and, and still to this day, there's some days Man, just morning to night, there's problems. And I've learned to not let that carry into the next day. And I know I'm going to get a good night's rest today. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to feel better. And I always do. And the next day is always better and whatnot. But it's it gives you a respect. Like And, and honestly, with WWE, even for me, it gave me uh, more respect for how large that company is. And, yeah. I, and I understand that problem. And there's things that go unnoticed and whatnot when you, when you have a company that big. And I'm just starting out, just getting into this game and... In the problems I'd imagine, I imagine, I don't want to say they they get they get worse or get easier because I think as you grow you can learn to delegate responsibilities a little bit. But this beginning phase where it's all on you is, yeah, very consuming and it's like you said. But being passionate and having that, like I get up early every morning and there's nobody. I don't even I don't even set an alarm anymore. I wake up six thirty seven every morning seven thirty. Get eight I get my eight, eight hours with my stem cells, but there's that motivation has to come from within and it was applying myself and working. And for me, it was that book, the 50th law by, I think it's Robert green. He wrote the 48 laws of power that WWE operates the entire business by. Um, <laughs> and uh, 50 cent is actually randomly in this book as well, but they talk about how not necessarily every human, but the ultimate freedom in life is working for yourself. And this is reading this book, Stu Bennett, Wade Barrett actually turned me on to it because he knew I was a big reader. I'm listening to this book on the road, and that was the moment I knew I was going to leave WWE. When I, because wow. this book, I go, 
it was talking about being like kind of trapped creatively and all these problems that I'd had. And on top of being injured, I was like, I need to do what I, I want to do now. I'm at a stage where I can do it. And it was a lot of work and we all got to work for other people at some point in our lives. But if you could take that energy and have an idea of what you want to do and then kind of transfer it, man, it's, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Well, now I'm writing down a book suggestions here. 50th law, the 50th law. Yeah, it, it is. It is unbelievable. The book right now I'm reading the seven energy codes is, uh, by Sue, the Sue, I don't want to mispronounce her name here. I'm actually going to pull it up. This book is actually, I'm getting into it now. I actually got the audio with it too. Cause I listened to it a little faster on the audio. Um, the energy codes by Sue Mortar is, uh, I highly recommend that man too. It's very kind of talking about energy and just and just mindset. And a lot of people from the book The Secret kind of reviewed that and all had great things huh. to say about it. But it's she sent it to me. It just came in the mail, and I look. I go, this book was meant to come into my life right now. And uh, this is turning into Oprah's book club here. I love it. Just getting it all out there. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> the I was going to ask you turning this back to wrestling a little bit here. What are your thoughts on today's wrestling since you've grown up with it and everything going on? What, what are like, WWE, we got AEW here coming about. What, what is your thoughts on everything going on with wrestling? Well, I've said this uh, in a lot of other interviews and a lot of my videos too. I think this is the most exciting time to be a wrestling fan because of how much access we have. Yeah. Um, there's never been more wrestling out there. There's never been more access to learning who these people are. Like, you know, when we were teenagers, if we wanted to see a new wrestler, we had to trade tapes on some weird website, you know, or, yeah. you know, mail out, mail out tapes like or you went to the random indie show that was in the only city that, you know, the city that you lived in. You went to the only indie show there. I think that it's a super exciting time if you're coming up as a wrestler and it's a super exciting time to see every different style of wrestling that's ever existed. There's um, a lot of opportunities out there right now. Do you think with all this access and, and people being more accessible, do you think it hurts the mystique? Because I've heard different people, different. I know some older people, and they they go, they 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 thought it was better back like when we were growing up. We didn't have access to them, and it made you want to go buy a ticket and go watch them. And ratings are down now and everything. But there's all this wrestling and AEW coming up. There, it, it's a great time to be a wrestler. I feel like because financially, I think it's going to be if AEW does well from a wrestler standpoint, they'll have more opportunities to make better money. But do you think yeah. it ever can hurt with the mystique at all that, or do you think that the benefits outweigh the negatives? I think we've all been smart wrestling fans for the last 20 ish years anyway. Yeah. And I think that we're just continuing on that trend of just getting smarter and smarter or, you know, markier or markier, if you will. You know, and it's yeah. just, it's going to happen no matter what. You can't stop it. It's, yeah, that's you're not what... taking away the internet, you know, no. so that's not going to change. I just love that there's guys out there like a Joey Ryan or yeah. uh, the Young Bucks before this who are able to make a living on the indies. Yep. Like Joey Ryan's making six figures, just flying around, wrestling on his own terms, deciding yeah. when he wants to work. I love that. Uh, you know, even 10 years ago, that didn't exist. If you weren't signed with WWE or I guess TNA was paying some money back then and their checks weren't bouncing. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, you know, if you weren't with one of those big companies, you were just trying to get with one of those big companies while you were, you know, working your blue collar job or your whatever job on the side. Now you can be a full-time wrestler and never even want to sign with one of those big companies. And I think that that's amazing that you can be a true independent contractor. 
Yeah, the gap used to be much bigger, I think, from working at WWE and maybe Impact during a while there. They had a little bit of money. Then Independence, where it was the, the, you didn't really hear about guys doing all that well necessarily, where now, because of social media and the internet, guys are able, like you said, to make a six-figure income, never working for WWE. Guys like the Young Bucks getting a following with, that, with the internet crowd and these people, the wrestling, independent wrestling shows, and not having, they may never have to ever go to WWE. Now, although is, there, needs to be a, there needs to be a real distinction here, though, that there are wrestling fans and there are WWE fans. And there's a massive difference between the two of what's them. What's the difference in your opinion? The difference is uh, the WWE fans only watch Raw, only watch SmackDown. Okay. That's, that's it. Uh, and you could go to an arena, you know, on Monday night. You could go to the arena this Monday night, wherever Raw is going to be, and you could... Ask 10, you know, the first 10 people you see who the Young Bucks are, and maybe only three or four of them actually know who the True. Young Bucks are or have actually seen a match. And I'm not saying that's good, or bad, or indifferent. I'm just saying that it's just a different thing. You know, you can be a football fan and only watch the NFL, and that's okay. You, you might not know a single team in the NCAA, and that's all right. Yeah. I'm just saying that there's a big distinction here, and I just think that we need to be clear that there are a bunch of fans out there that are only going to watch what WWE puts out there. Good, you know, whether it's good or it's bad. Now, when you watch a wrestling match, because there's different people have different takes and what you brought up here. Like for me growing up, I was always drawn. I always liked the great wrestlers, the Bret Hart's and the Shawn Michaels and whatnot. But I was always drawn to the storylines and the larger than life personalities, the characters. It was a blend for me. I liked everything that was pro wrestling. There's some people that watch pro wrestling and specifically like independent wrestling, like it's a sport almost. And they're a different, I've, I found they're a different type of viewer where they're, they only judge a wrestler by the in-ring stuff and nothing else. Have you noticed that as well? Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Although it's hard with indies to continue a storyline along when you're in Wisconsin this week and you're wrestling in California next week and then you're going straight from there to Nevada or whatever. So it's hard to keep storylines going in yeah. indies, but... If you've got a guy who has a great character, that's something that can shine. Like a Joey Ryan when he does his stuff and like where he, you know. Exactly. He's known for that. But yeah, I, I agree with you. The focus on the like independent shows is on the in-ring product because that's kind of all they're getting. And it, and it has to be, you know, like, especially if you're flying someone in, uh, they better be damn good in the ring. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's what, that's what I, I go to independent shows to see that. But then again, independent shows, just like a WWE show, are kind of, you know, they have a little bit of everything. You've got a comical character. Yeah. You've got a guy who's, you know, a massive heel and really good on the mic. You've got people who are technically sound. You've got your tag teams. You've got your women's matches. I, I always love the in-ring stuff. And that's partly because I was an amateur wrestler in high school. It's also partly because I trained in wrestling school and I understand I how. It, yeah difficult this stuff is um i'm a big fan of chain wrestling and yep. i'm also a big fan of like you know just seeing stuff in the ring that not everyone can do yeah. i love i loved watching kid cash in ecw i loved watching I, deep south wrestling with him yeah it's amazing. that's amazing wow he I has love, great intensity him. man he's uh i used to watch him when i i pick up like the guy he and he's a smaller statured guy, but he is a pit bull in the ring, and he like he uh, he brings it, and that's what he, I learned. Like you got to be intense, and if a guy like that can can make you believe, I was like, man, I can just be intense. It's you can make money in this business, and he could hit a hurricane rana from anywhere. Great, great talented wrestler, man. He uh, he almost was before his time with this. If he would have been around, I think in today's wrestling in his prime, I sure. think he might have had more opportunities. 
than maybe he did back when he came in and whatnot. But he, he was he was very talented. I think in the current landscape of wrestling, I, I really lean towards like the Johnny Gargano's, Tommaso Champa's, um, whatever they're calling the War Raiders these days. Yep. <laughs> um, Viking Raiders, I guess. I love that style of like just, you know, balls to the wall, amazing, impressive, like five star matches every single time they go out. Yeah. I, I, I love watching Kenny Omega wrestle. Um, I think that Jericho is incredible every single time he steps in the ring. And that's why I'm so excited for what AEW is going to put out there. I was going to ask you about that. Your thoughts, because you interviewed Tony Khan there, right? There just here yeah. recently? Yeah, I interviewed Tony Khan, and he's a, he's a fan just like us. I mean, he has a hell of a lot more money than you or I Have do. you interviewed Vince yet or no? No, that's that's the dream interview. That's a, I like Tony. I'm a big fan of Tony already. That he made time for you, Chris and Vince. Oh. Vince, get on the ball here with this. Yeah, come on, Vince. <laughs> you <laughs> heard it here. Make time for me. Tony gave me basically an hour between us arriving there. Our interview was 35 minutes on tape, and then we just kind of chatted afterwards. Like he is a fan, like a crazy fan, just like the rest of us. And I'm really excited that he's a fan, understands the product, gets how it you know it is. He's about our age too. He's 36. Um, so he, he grew up in the ECW era. He grew up with the Monday Night Wars. But I love that he understands that he's going to run this thing, but he also has some incredibly smart wrestling minds underneath him in Cody and the Bucks and yep. Kenny and JR that, that are going to be making the actual wrestling decisions. So he's going to be making the business decisions. They're going to be making the wrestling decisions. So I'm super excited for what AEW has to offer. I can't believe how much buzz there is around it when they haven't even had... We One second of a match yet. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's three weeks away this Saturday. I'm going to be in Vegas for that. I, I bought my own plane ticket, my own hotel. I'm going there as a fan. Yeah. Also hoping to do some interviews there, but I'm excited. I just hope that we don't say uh, – I hope we don't get ahead of ourselves. I hope we don't see what happens on May 25th, good or bad, and just assume that's what AEW is going to be like. Yeah. Because uh, they're going to have a couple more pay-per-views after that. They're going to have weekly television starting this fall. Uh, I, I believe it's going to be on a station everyone actually gets, which is, that's the biggest thing here. Yeah. I, I've been saying this since day one. If you're going to be on Destination America or Pop, no offense to Impact, but those are stations that I hadn't even heard of before Impact showed up on them. So Tony's going to be on, I mean, if the rumors are true, uh, Tony's going to have AEW on TNT, which is, massive that's in yeah. just as many houses as usa i believe i honestly think i think if they're gonna go for this i think they go for i go for that monday time slot and just i don't know i just feel like just go balls to the wall on this but like a guy like con these such a smart businessman these people are he knows he needs to surround himself the, the this is what he's done his whole life surround yourself with the right people and he's put this infrastructure in place and then they have people in other areas on the business end making these decisions too. And you got Cody and the Young Bucks and, and Kenny on the wrestling end that really, really, Cody has a really good brain for wrestling, man. All of them, I would imagine. And because Cody wouldn't put himself around those guys if they didn't. And it's just, it's, they're going to, I feel like they're going to have an opportunity to do wrestling right for the right. wrestlers. And I, I, I heard this great phrase and it applies so well here. There's two ways to have the tallest building. You either tear down the other buildings or you just build a better building. Yeah. And I think that they don't need to necessarily be going out and going head to head with Raw. Yeah. If they just have a better product that's true, not yeah. 
not necessarily competing head to head, but if they just provide an alternative that ends up just by being better, getting more eyeballs on it and building that better building on their own, yeah. that could be the better way to do this thing. And I, I've heard Tony mention too, that he doesn't believe wrestlers need to be on the road five, four or five days a week. Yeah, he and, said that in my interview. Man, and that is, hearing that is so refreshing because, and I read this from, from Bob Backlund's book, when Vince Jr. took over from Vince Sr., Bob, who's the nicest guy in the world, but you can see in the book how he things change when Vince Jr. came along and he's like, almost like they treated him more like cattle. Like kind of like in, in doing multiple shots per day. And he started using these human bodies to fuel his billions over time where, okay, that's worked for him. But we've seen the history of all these wrestlers and there's a multitude of reasons why things happen to people and whatnot. But it all tends to be from guys that worked there that where you hear some of these, these bad stories of the people dying young. And it's the toughest industry to do and to, to do it night after night. At that level, it's very refreshing as a pro wrestler to hear him say, these guys don't need to go out there and do this all the time. And again, TV will be the most important thing, but that and just not having too much product out there. Because I think that's one of WWE's problems at times is there's yeah. too much product. Which <clears throat> And so I, I think they're, that's a great analogy. They rebuild the building better. And it's like they, they have the money and the capital to be able to do that. Well, WWE's whole thing is just we'll just tear down the other buildings and yeah. they've done that you know they did with wcw they did with ecw the problem with wwe for the last almost two decades is they've been able to do whatever they want to do because there's no competition yeah it was and if even going to be just a slight amount of competition if AEW is even just one percent of what we all hope it can be it's obviously already scaring Vince. I mean, we've all read the stories online about people not being able to get out of their contracts yeah. or them saying, oh, you want out of your contract? Here's more money. And people going, I don't want more money. I want out. They're offering guys, the amount of money they're offering some of the guys that I was reading, I go, wow, things have changed. Because they were, see, they, they've gotten away. This is what I always talk about. Where there's nobody kind of monitor, monitoring them on what they do and whatnot. And now you have... They're offering guys more money because they don't want them to leave. But when you have people, and we were talking about this, that are walking away from million-dollar contracts or multi-million-dollar contracts, and it's not just a case here, a case there. It's it's we're hearing numerous things. Yeah. It is. Uh, I always say karma's, a and they, it's that they've done this for a long, long time and gotten away with it. That now this other promotion is coming up, and like you said, it's like. Arn Anderson going over there and being a producer. I love Arn more than anything. He's he's amazing. Cody knows how amazing he is. That's a hell of a pickup. Guy like Malenko leaves WWE, goes going right over there. Like it's that's just producer side. He's they're getting some key pieces in place. And I man, I, I'm excited. Even if I never wrestle another day in my life, I'm just excited for pro wrestling because we didn't have this when I was there. This they and they took advantage of so many talented guys that I think yeah. some of them are going to have an opportunity to to make what they should make and, and creatively kind of have the freedom maybe that they should have had from the beginning. So, I think that this is going to be a real change, a real paradox or paradigm shift. I think we're going to we're going to look at May 25th and go this is the pre-AEW era era before this and the post-AEW era after it. Because if they're doing even just a little bit of the things that we hope they can do, it's going to change the game completely. When do you think do they do you know anything about when they're supposed to get on TV at all or no? 
Well, if uh, if any of the rumors are true, it's going to be in the fall. So if okay. if they're if uh, right around the corner. Well, you know, fall is usually when uh, the TV networks launch their biggest shows. Yeah. And if the rumors were true that AEW is part of the upfront uh, um, talk, which is in television speak, the upfronts is where they go. They say to all the advertisers, all right, we're going to be upfront with you and let you know all the big shows we're going to have this fall. So you can give us your money now so we can advertise or you can advertise with us. So I would I would think that this is going to be part of the fall lineup. So okay. I'd be mid-ish September, late September, early October. This is all a guess from a guy who works in television. This yeah. is, you know, these are not facts. I didn't know if Tony told you anything behind the scenes or not when the cameras were off. I was digging there a little bit. But he, he didn't he didn't tell me anything other than uh, uh, we couldn't say gold dust during the interview. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you... wish them all the best, man. I, I honestly I, it's a good time and I think they're gonna knowing Cody, I think it's it's gonna be a great thing. And I think it's important not to judge good or bad. I think they're gonna put out a great product here in Vegas, but Let's give them time to get everything organized and let the cards fall where they will. I think they're they're going to be prepared though when it's all said and well, done. Well, all in was good. Yeah, all in was good, and that was before Tony was part of this. Yep. Um, I, I've been I've been saying this all along that whatever they do with TV, it needs to look good. Yeah. And you know nothing against Ring of Honor, but when you watch a Ring of Honor show, it it looks like it's you know a step below WWE. Yeah, I think that's extremely important. Entrances, music, everything. Pyro, yes. if you have it, it's an. That's what I say with pro wrestling, because perception is reality, yeah. and you don't want to be WWE. Is let's be honest, they're the, they're the, the biggest game in town. Of course, their production is second to none. Yeah. So if they can come in and give them a run for their money on that end, and then they got the talent there and, and whatnot, I think it's uh, it's an exciting time to be a pro wrestling fan and a pro wrestler. I, I can't wait to see how this all shakes out. Like if we, if you and I have the same conversation six months from now, I'm just so interested because of course not everything's going to be perfect with AEW. And I think that we need to temper our expectations and realize that not every storyline is going to be great. Not every match is going to be awesome. It's not all going to go the way that you want it to go. Yeah. And we're going to be complaining week in, week out. You're going to see it on the dirt sheets. Like how could they do this? Yeah. How could they get that title yeah. to this person? It's all going to be part of this, you know, their their bigger plan. Just got to realize that it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. Well, that's what with social media, that was going to be my final question to you before I, I let you go because you've been great with all of this, was um, people like to be with the negativity and whatnot on there. It gives people a platform and whatnot. And I, I wish with the pro, like the wrestling sheets and the dirt sheets and whatnot, I wish some of these people would, would report more positive things at times and not try to kind of hurt people's brands or their reputations and whatnot. But have you personally, I'm always curious with people, do you get a lot of negativity or a lot of hate or anything from people with the stuff that you do? I've been super fortunate to not really have much bad stuff at all. And look, I've always approached this as I'm a fan. I'm just, yeah. I'm in the same seat as the person who's watching this yep. interview. I just happen to have the access to interview these people and, you know, I've been in broadcasting long enough that I, you know, can carry a decent interview. So I've been really fortunate um, that I haven't had too much backlash really about anything. Um, the Vicky Guerrero interview I posted last week where she spoke about uh, how Chris Benoit should be in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he won't ever be in the Hall of Fame, yeah. but she basically spoke to his skill set alone and said he should be in there, although he never will be. And I closed out the video saying just based on his in-ring stuff alone... Yes. Chris Benoit is, of course, a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And I got 
Yeah, I got some comments basically calling me an idiot and saying, how could you put a child murderer in the Hall of Fame? But, you know, you know how it is. People yeah. are often either misquoting you or, you know, they're just putting yeah. their they're putting their own thoughts and they're just projecting it onto you. And I always say that we live in a very negative world and there's a lot of things and it kind of, it's kind of gives people an outlet and they have their own thoughts in their head. They want to be mad at something. And it's kind of, it's sometimes easier rather than looking in the mirror, just to latch on to anything and be angry over anything other than what's going on with your life. I actually made a comment to someone on Twitter trying to be more active on there. They, who were two guys that you wish you could have wrestled that have passed away? And without hesitation, it was Eddie and, and Benoit. Because right. those are two guys, I, I, I loved their intensity and in-ring ability. And I got a few comments, like the whole thing. I go, no, that wasn't the question. Had nothing to do with it. I, they were Hall of Fame thing. I go, I didn't mention any of that. Like, just said, I wish I could have wrestled them back yeah. when he was a wrestler. And that was, I don't I, agree with anything. And it, it's horrible. But... It's... I, I had a guy last week, I or two weeks ago, I posted a Gail Kim interview, and he goes, "I can't. You didn't ask her a. You literally asked her asked her zero impact questions. Uh, I can't believe it." And yeah. I said, "Actually, at this time code, I asked this. At this time code, I asked this. At this time, even if you're right, you're wrong, Chris. Welcome to pro wrestling." I listed out all my ones. He said, "Well, I forgot about those because you barely asked any." I said, "But hold on, <sighs> you said I literally asked zero. Yeah. Man, I, the block feature is the greatest thing that they they they've come up with on those. I I just can't even. I don't I don't lose any sleep. I just gotta oh. can't argue with them. It's even if you're right, you're wrong, and it doesn't matter. You just gotta do what you love and put out there and let people. You'll have the good ones that follow you. We do it all for the good ones. And then there's for me, always, I've I've always approached this that I'm a fan, and I, I've always I started. We all are. I right. I still am a fan, but there's a lot of people in this who. You know, never, never reached the, you know, the levels that you reached yeah. uh, and you've actually been there and you still are a fan. But there's a lot of people who, because they write for a, a dirt sheet or because they interview some people on a YouTube channel, they think they're somehow bigger or better than the fans. And you're not. No. You're, you're the same as the rest of us. You yeah. just happen to have a platform. Absolutely. And just because you shout louder than me on your platform doesn't mean you're better than me. Very true. And I, and I think that uh, I'm just going to always approach this like I'm a fan. And uh, I think that that's the best way to do this. And we're all fans of this. We might as well just appreciate it. Focus on the positives, what you like. And I always say, just try to be a good human being at the end of the day. And if you that's wouldn't it. say something to someone's face in person, you probably shouldn't say it online is what I, what I personally yeah. feel. But I like that. It's, I think that holds us accountable. Like if, if I wouldn't say something to you, to, to your face, then I shouldn't probably say it on social media. So, But, of course, we, we all operate differently and whatnot. With that, Chris, I do want to say I'd like to end my interviews by just asking for one piece. You've, you've done a lot. You've been very successful in your life. You have a very positive, positive mental attitude. I think people could benefit a lot. What's one thing, if you could just give one piece of life advice? And I feel like you've already given a lot of great advice on this, but if you had to <laughs> narrow it down to just one to the listeners out there, what would that be? I think for me, the best advice I could give is live life with passion. Yeah. And I think that passion is the secret sauce of life. So whatever it is that you're passionate about, for us, it's wrestling. You know, for some people it's car racing or it's painting or it's running or whatever it happens to be. Like, let that drive your life. Like, be passionate about something in your life. Like, have a purpose for something. And now we live in a world where you can turn that passion into a paycheck and you can, you know, if you're, your own boss. if you're super passionate about something crazy, like 
peanut butter. You can be the guy who tastes peanut butter and tests peanut butter on a YouTube channel and make a career out of that. You could travel right. the world eating peanut butter and be exactly. a millionaire in today's society. We live so in the I greatest time. Find something that you're passionate about and make that your thing. Yep. Uh, and, and that will drive your life in a positive direction. And I, and I think that that's... That's the thing for me. And that's, that's always been, I'm a super passionate person with everything that I do. And I, for me, that's been it. Man, great advice. I love it. No argument for me on that whatsoever. Chris, where can people find you on social media? It's my name, Chris Van Vliet, V-A-N-V-L-I-E-T. That's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you have seen any of my uh, videos on YouTube, please throw me a subscribe. Subscribing is like the, it's it's funny how many views you can get and how yeah. few subscribers you can get. So if you have ever watched one of my videos uh, and you haven't subscribed, it would mean the world to me if you went on there and subscribed. I'm, I'm trying to get to 200,000 subscribers by the end of this year. Uh, and then 1 million is the specific goal that I'm trying to get to. And and I have no doubt that you're going to do that, Chris. Again, I will get there. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate your time and I look forward to talking with you out here in Vegas for your show. It's a long time coming. So guys, we're going to be right back with Ryan Satin. Chris, thanks again, buddy. Thank you so much for having me on. We'll be right back guys after these messages. The Stanley Cup playoffs are underway in the NHL and my team, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, I believe we're going to go all the way. Last year, we didn't quite finish it, but this year, I have no doubt that the Las Vegas Golden Knights are going to win the Stanley Cup championship. I'm so confident. I'm not even a betting man, but I'm so confident in my Las Vegas Golden Knights, I'm willing to place a wager. Well, big guy, where are you going to go place a wager on the Las Vegas Golden Knights? That's easy, big guy. There's only one place to start, and that's betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the one place to get in on all this action. Grab the odds and allow the experts at BetOnline.ag to do the heavy lifting for you. Sports, live betting, virtual casino, you name it. BetOnline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. If you're feeling lucky and would like to support our podcast, go to CLNSmedia.com slash Ryback and use your promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. We are back. I'm joined by Ryan Satin, Pro Wrestling Sheet for the Wrestling Report. How you doing, buddy? The Big Guys Wrestling Report with Ryan Satin. Brought to you by Pro Wrestling Sheet. I am doing great. It's a it's a nice weekend on my end, so I'm feeling good. I'm gonna watch. It's May the fourth when we're recording this. Peeling back the curtain a little bit, so I'm gonna watch some Star Wars later tonight. All right. And, uh, yeah, yeah. My girlfriend, I got her into Star Wars, but I never showed her the first movie because I didn't. Or, sorry, Episode One, The Phantom Menace, the okay. one that people like always. Cr- on. Uh, I, I never showed her that one, and I realized that like she's super into Star Wars now. Well, not super into, but she likes Star Wars a lot, and I feel like now it's okay to show her that one to see what she thinks. Okay, so, like, okay. Her opinion of Star Wars. I'm Are excited Wars personally guy? for Cinco de Mayo with uh, oh, yeah. coming up here. Are you oh, a big Cinco de Mayo guy? Well, I mean, I'm Mexican, so I mean, like, I'm supposed to celebrate it. You know, I'm me- I'm half Mexican, okay. and. Uh, 
Mexican and Puerto Rican, and uh, I know it, I, it does not show, but uh, but I, <laughs> I just thought you were white. I had no idea. Yeah, no, I don't get. It's not a thing that people. Uh, everyone's always like, oh, there's, there's only white guys doing wrestling news, and I'm like, hey man, I'm like half Mexican. Give me a break, dude. Like, uh, <laughs> but but uh, uh. yeah, so. There's a thing going on tomorrow out here in L.A. There's a uh, um, it's on Hollywood Boulevard. I think it's with rep and Madame Tussauds. There's some sort of a lucha thing that I think I'm yeah. going to go to. OK, you've been around it, though, your whole life. Then this is for me being a white guy. This is just like it's a really I love Mexican food. It was my favorite as a kid. So it's like my great El Hombre Grande to go out and just have a big it falls on my cheat meal day. So I'm I'm super pumped for that. <laughs> but. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, I uh, I have family that lives in Mexico. So. I, uh, you know, I used to go there and visit them and, uh, and they live in like the, the area you hear about that's like really bad. That's yeah. like the actual scary part Probably of Probably the best food though over there also. Oh, so good. It's so good. I remember when I stayed there, I was like 13 and I got to stay there. Uh, they, they're in, um, they're, they're in Juarez, which is a terrible yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> I think that's and, where Sin Cara's from actually. Okay. Oh, cool. Where, yeah. That's why he likes to fight. He grew up in the streets, like, like legit, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Juarez is, like, a serious place. And I went when I was 13, and it's, like, that's where I first saw – I didn't do it, but that's where I first saw, like, heroin for the first time. And I was only, like, 13, and these yeah. little girls had, like, heroin. And I was, like uh, – but 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 food-wise, coolest thing ever because the house I was the, – the family that I was staying – my family whose house I was staying at, uh, it was this weird thing where, like, every time I felt hunger within me, I would just – and I wouldn't say anything – but I would just see the uh, my family member whose house it was. She would get up and she would just start cooking, oh, like multiple times a day. She would just be cooking oh, meals, wow. and it was the best because there was like multiple meals a day being cooked for me, and they were just like bomb Mexican food. So uh, oh, good. I love. It. I love it. Oh, I yeah, would have been three hundred fifty pounds if I grew up in that. That's. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, let's. I want to hear your thoughts on this because you uh, you have been on fire via social media the past week. Got some uh, good interviews ready? coming out here, by the way. That's we've got oh, yeah. some things lined up. Yes, it, the bombs are gonna. Yes, it's we are. Like- we're picking it up very slowly here, and it's uh, it's about to start hitting. So. Okay. Well, yeah, and you've been uh, you've been very unfiltered on social media lately, which I know uh, many people have been enjoying, myself included. I've it's uh it's nice to see you just like throwing out the bombs over on, on your end. But one of the things I wanted to hear your opinion on, because, you know, the stuff we're hearing about is from people who are currently on the roster, but okay. you have such insight from when you're, you know, from, 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 from all your time there. So I want to yeah. hear your opinions on all this Leo Rush stuff. So yeah. uh, ba- basically uh, there's been reports that Leo Rush has quote unquote heat in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, and basically Different reasons. Uh, I know that one of them was apparently in regard. W- one of the things that people were talking about was in regards to uh, possibly bringing too many people backstage with him, uh, his wife, and, and some friends that maybe uh, uh, weren't necessarily uh, acting the way they should. That's what the report said, yeah. I believe. Uh, and the other one is in regards to uh, the, I guess, the November 2018 European tour where. He didn't want to handle menial tasks assigned to junior members of the tour, including 
bringing water to veteran talents at the gorilla position following their matches and carrying coolers into hotels in advance of talents having a common private area. So let me just say one thing right there because I want to I want to hit these, all these points. So that water thing, they have water in Grillo already in a cooler. They have Gatorades, waters, everything for Vince and everybody in there. I routinely used to grab right there. There's never any, like, never have I ever seen people bringing waters to people right there in situations like that. And it's also very, like, people need to understand. I don't know Leo well enough to know what he's done. And it, I just want people to understand WWE will leak things out when they want to try to get somebody heat. If they, because there could be other things going on and negotiations going on, and they'll start putting negative things out to get the people, because everyone has their social media, because fans will hear this and read this stuff and then they start attacking. And they do it to, to put pressure on guys. They, they have weird tactics that they use. That water thing, that he not getting water for, for, for senior talents, is a very odd story, in my opinion. And I don't, I, I've never, there, like I said, there's a water cooler right there. So why would you. Literally ten feet from when you walk into Gorilla, that's a very odd. What about like a, what about like for? But this is not. This is more for the like a live event tour when they're in Europe. I think so. It's less for when like they're like Gorilla at TV and more so at the live events. And 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 what about this like common area thing in hotels? Is that is that does that sound like a thing? So yeah. So and again, uh, and to touch on too before we get to the rest of this water situation, the bringing guests backstage. I don't know about because I'm not there who who he was bringing back. I do know it, it's it's very weird things there. You should be allowed to bring guys would bring their girlfriends or wives on the road on occasion and they'd be at live events and they sit there and they were all well behaved and but they're regular people. They don't know the rules of wrestling because there's all these weird things that people everyone there's always looking for something to try to complain about or to get somebody heat. So like when you but you run that risk when you bring regular people back there, you know you do need to explain to them that look, this is kind of what it is. Please just be polite, treat people with respect. I've never seen a problem with anyone bringing anybody backstage. So again, not being there, not knowing, I don't know the details of that. I just find it odd. This stuff is all coming out, and a, a thing from last November starts coming out now. People have to ask him. Well, I think they were they were more known. I, I... It's weird the way this all came back up again. Like, the the way this all came back up again was like, if I recall, it was like, I'm trying to remember how why it came back up again, because it was at first it was the more recent thing. The the Finn Balor thing, if I recall, was supposed to be more recent. Which when it Finn came up. supposedly had a conversation with him. Was that the the deal? Something along those lines. Has yeah, Finn now publicly kind of- said anything about this? See, no, that's the only an... person who's really said anything publicly about this on the other side would be Mark Henry. Mark Henry said yeah. that it's that that he has also tried to pull Leo aside and yep. ask him what the deal was, and Leo has kind of like it seems to him that it's like kind of an ego thing with with Leo. Yeah, and that he, no, seems to have an ego problem is is what Mark Henry said, yeah. if I recall. And now Mark isn't also at all these shows either. He's not he, but he pops in from time to time. But Mark knows people there and whatnot, so Mark's probably taking information from people. And you have I don't know Leo enough. Leo, they're very well, maybe an ego problem. But I I just find it all it's very 
coincidental that these reports are kind of coming and then he speaks up and does an interview and kind of says what, you know, going on and then more stuff comes that and it's the water. very much. I agree with you real fast on that. Yeah. Cause like I have worked in news for about 10 years now yep. and I, you know, one of the things that I sometimes, you know, all the time have to work on the most is figuring out when someone's lying to me, you know, yeah. or figuring out when someone has an agenda and their 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 side of the story is a little tilted and and then having to reach out to other sources to make sure that it's less that that I'm getting the full scope of the story, right? Yeah. And you're one of I, the few you know, that do that. And and I had heard prior to these heat quote unquote things coming out that Leo was really unhappy backstage and that he was, you know, maybe going to like say you know, that he was maybe going to walk, that he was maybe going to like yeah. take some time away that he was, or he was going to say something. And so then all of a sudden I started seeing all these reports of like heat on Leo and this, and I'm like, well, that's interesting, you know? And, and, and this and goes it, down we, to the money too. And for this too, another thing and that, cause I saw this cause Leo had put out, he was on, they were having him on the road five days a week. And this is what I need to – people need to understand this. If you watch some of the guys that have been up there for a year or two, I know there's a couple that I watch. They're eating off paper plates in their apartments. And they, I know from what I went through, and I've talked about this, when I got back on the road as Ryback and was red hot going into the main event of CM Punk, I was broke. And that was – and they I had trouble getting hotel rooms with credit cards because they were, keep, they were paying me the bare minimum off my old contract. And I'd been out injured. There was something – I literally – I, I had to, I had phone calls with them. I can't I couldn't pay my bills because all my money was going to on the road and I wasn't wasting anything. I was traveling with other people, being very conservative, not throwing anything away. So when Leo says he doesn't have money and he has a family, he doesn't have money. That a lot of these guys don't make anything. This is what I'm talking for. And they, they'll use them for that first three years and they put in all this work and they don't have really anything to show for it. Now, is that the case for everybody? No, not necessarily. But it does exist there. And so, also, what could be happening? And what this is WWE is evil in a lot of many many ways. Mark is going to speak good about the company because that's what Mark does. I, I I'll yeah. tell it to you exactly like it is. And I, we, me and Mark could have a conversation, and I think he would have trouble arguing with any of my points. With that said, Leo could be want, unhappy, not making a lot of money, and so contract things with WWE, negotiating a new contract because this is one of the things I saw they put out. They said they offered him a three hundred thousand dollar contract. Well, here's the thing: he's not on that any. He's not on a three hundred thousand dollar contract right now. He's probably on an eighty or a hundred thousand dollar contract downside. Definitely. Okay, so that needs to be addressed. So everything he's saying is one hundred percent true. He's not on a three hundred thousand dollar contract complaining about money right now. All right. They said that he wanted six hundred thousand. Now, let me tell you, wanting to be on a six hundred thousand dollar contract. Where taxes are, you're going to be taxed 30 to 40 percent. Have to pay state taxes, travel expenses, everything. It's not that much money at the end of the day. People need to understand this for the amount of work that you're actually doing. So and the amount of money you're paying back. Yeah, exactly. So that right there could have been exactly what initiated WWE to start putting all this negative stuff on him out. Is because he wanted more money than they want to pay him right now. This is the whole thing. It goes back to there's no union, there's no protection for the wrestlers. And so WWE, this is what they don't like. If you try to negotiate anything and you're not in a position yet to even do it a little bit, they will f*** your life up royally. And that could be a case 
I just want people to understand this could be a case of that happening right here where this whole thing came from contract stuff with him, not being happy, needing more money or wanting more money. And then them, oh, you're going to play ball like this is how we work. And then all this negative stuff starts coming out, which could have been a little true, but maybe it's gotten brought out to be much bigger than it really is. I don't know because I'm not personally there and I have not actually spoke to anybody like, what's the deal with him? I could, I could very easily find out with that and some of that, but I have a feeling just knowing how things work that not everything is being told about this situation. But that thing came out the following day when he said he had no money to try to disprove him like he's lying, which it didn't. It only confirmed it because he's not on a $300,000 contract right now. Like I said, he's probably on an eighty dollars or $100,000 contract on the road five days a week with taxes, road expenses, family, everything. And it all probably got triggered from that. So then these little things that happened as far as like the water on the European tours, that, I never saw any of that go on when I was there. And you've, I've seen Chris Jericho speak up and say, like, he's never asked anybody to ever carry his bags or anything. The Leo stuff, I, wasn't under, I was under the impression when I read that, too, that it was more like a bag thing. That if someone trying to make him carry his bags, and there's nobody there, Ryan, nobody that should be having anybody do anything of that nature. So here's the two things just to, before we – because, yeah, there's two separate things there. Okay. Uh, let me read the quote from Leo about the money for the, anyone who maybe didn't see this interview. Leo did an interview with Fightful.com, and he told them, uh, my issue has never been with Bobby Lashley. Being with Bobby has helped the both of us out tremendously. It's given me speaking confidence I didn't know I had. I never was a promo guy in the indies. But being with Bobby made me a promo guy. My issue isn't with my on-screen role. My issue is the fact that I haven't been on meet and greets with Bobby, haven't been getting paid for merchandise for us that has my catchphrases on them. I have been sent to live shows and TVs and forced to pay for my own rental for five days, as well as hotel while not making enough money to do so. Walking around broke in the biggest sports entertainment industry there is while having two kids and a wife to support. Uh, And that's 100% true. That makes sense. I mean, that, that, and I always hear that too, that, you know, they... Though you know when they get brought up, they're not immediately you know they they're supposed to have their contracts changed, but it doesn't always it doesn't know they they actually will milk it as long as they can until you actually have to say something, and then mm-hmm. then if you don't accept the first offer that they give you, if you want to negotiate it all, or it's very they have they have a whole thing of NXT people they'll like well we'll just find somebody else that won't complain who cares if they're talented or not we just want people that are just going to take whatever we give them because they love wrestling and this is where they they are eliminating. This is why we need a union and people protection for the wrestlers. Wrestlers should be allowed to negotiate where you're at the highest level and you're there. You should be treated. You don't have NFL players playing their first year in the season, not making any money. Baseball, you look around at anything. The WWE takes advantage of the performers. And this is what I've said time and time again. Some guys, the average career of any, I think is less than three years for a WWE superstar. And most of these guys, most guys that wrestle end up with nothing when they're done with it. And the company, that's why you see a quick turnover rate too, because they realize they could just, they got the brand now so strong, they could refresh the talent and keep the talent making the bare minimum. And they have the few guys that they pay and that, and it's, it's a vicious cycle and it's very dangerous. And that's the people that I'm speaking up for. And all this, not the guys that have been allowed to make millions because it's everybody no. else that keeps the company afloat. And it's just... It's a really unfortunate situation because a lot of fans will, will will hate Leo now for the rest of his career because of this information being put out. And I know this because I've experienced yep. this, whether we know if it's true or false. And I really hope Finn Balor, I think Finn Balor should publicly make a statement on the issue as well. And one way or the other, he should make a statement to because that's the only way 
whether it's good or bad, he needs to be a man and issue something out on that because you have this information people are making assumptions off of on different things. And now what, if we, what does that say if that's completely false? We don't know. Finn could come out and say, no, I have no problem with Leo. The, the reports have been exaggerated. But I have a feeling it's tied into WWE somehow, and they took a guy that fans kind of love and tied it all in, and then it paints the villain in all of this. Leo, how dare you ask for more money? You should just be thankful to have a job up there and be a wrestler. Because those are the people that start swarming him and attacking him, and where he's like, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, and he quiets down. That's what they hope for, and, that, and then he just takes whatever they offer him. It's tactics like this that they use all the time, and people just I, need to be aware of this. And I do believe that, you know... I'm uh, not defending him either, be, by no, any no. means. No, I know. Yeah. And I, but I was going to say, I do believe that the powers that be in WWE sometimes, you know, they're sometimes, you know, they they know who the company, who, who is talking to certain people in the media when they're, when they're more open about it, you know? Yeah. And I do think they try to push things, certain things out. Like, um, and to get to that, uh, you know, but, but I want to get to that, but I also think that, uh, to explain in case for anyone else who didn't see the fightful.com interview, uh, what Leo said about the waters was, uh, it's not about race and it never has been, but public perception is important to me. And we have fans that travel all over the globe and watch us get off buses and into hotels. The look of a black kid carrying waters and bags for other wrestlers is just not a good look, especially when I'm trying to portray myself as a superstar as well. Um, are there that many people that, that are seeing you guys get off the buses yes. and stuff in Europe? Yep. Fans, all, there could be hundreds of fans sitting out there outside the buses late at night at midnight, 3 a.m. It doesn't, but so here, when I heard that, I was trying to think, uh, I was like, where would, a lot of times, just so people are aware of these, there, there's alcohol on all these buses, there, there's wine, there's beers, uh, there, there's hard liquor, there's different things. Uh, some of the talent drink, you know, we, we had nights, you know, Roman would be on the back of the bus, we'd be back there, and uh, Usos, depending on, on, Oh, there's all different guys. Swagger was always in the mix. Some guys drink more than others on the tours and whatnot. But sometimes, and I was involved in some of these where you all hang out after you go eat the catering they have, and then you just stay up and you drink. Now, I wouldn't do that that often. I, I had partaken in that several times where you kind of, group of wrestlers will stay up all night drinking and having a good time. Now, those beers on the bus typically... Uh, when I was there, and this is dealing with Roman and guys, Roman's a very respectful human being. Roman's not, I never see like Roman being the kind of guy, but like, yo, kid, carry these beers in there, whatever. I don't know the new crop of guys that are up there in their backgrounds. So we could have some people up there that are more into that, that old school, like kind of intimidation and trying to force people to do things. When I was there and we'd be in the catering, they would just have hotel employees go on the bus and go grab the big thing of beers the cooler and bring them all in nobody ever i never once saw anybody like hey hey rookie go get those go go, go get us some beers never once did that i that ever go on with the group and we had so, a good group so two things yeah two things um one is uh i remember alistair black posted a thing when roman uh, first revealed his leukemia stuff. And he told a story about Roman Reigns being the locker room leader. And he was talking about being on one of those European tours and how he was doing that. He was getting the towel. He was like placing towels out for the veteran wrestlers so that they'd have towels out for the yeah. match and, and waters. And I remember him saying that Roman came up to him and said like, Hey, 
you don't have to do that anymore. Like you uh, have moved on. You're, you're yep. above that. Like you're, you don't have to do that. Um, so my question is this, because it does seem like it's like not as strong of a thing that they do. Could it be this? Do you remember when Leo Rush put that tweet out when he first got signed by WWE that's, that was mocking uh, yeah. Emma's release? Yeah. Do you think that they're making him do all these things and and pushing all this because they're still trying to show him that he's up for that tweet back then? That's a great point, and that's something that really probably hasn't been talked about in all this. And, yeah, it's very possible that he – he dug himself a grave where he's getting treated maybe in a way that I never saw anybody get treated when I was there, which when I hear this, it outrages me. But at the same time, that was something that he made a huge mistake on doing. And um, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So that could honestly be a case where everyone is just looking to make his life a, a, a living hell and blowing That's what, when I see when I see all of this, because I'm the same way. Like I, I don't hear of like these like, massive hazing kind of things no, or they this, don't like, go on that giant, doesn't yeah yeah or this like big hierarchy where like you know you have to do all these things like yeah alistair black was doing it because he wanted to be respectful yeah i'm sure these people do do these things we used to but pick up trash during nxt go around the building and pick up all the trash and then they, someone goes what are you guys doing they have a crew that comes and do we were always taught like from benoit and guys being around that you clean up after the locker room and like that kind of stuff still goes on. I used to st- do main events, be the last one in there and clean the locker room and never, never said a thing to any, like you just, it's just a, you just do it. Like, it's just kind of, that was kind of from an older generation that heard that and stuff. And then there's other times and you leave and then other guys don't do it. And, but like Alistair's probably a good guy and understands the wrestling business. And so that's just being respectful. But most of the guys, like I said, or like, like Roman and a lot of the, the guys, Seth, they're, they're men. They don't ask. They like, I always, they're great guys. Like they're, yeah. you just, they're raised in this generation where we realize some of the old school thing pe- people did. They used to people's bags. All right, look, it's not right. It's not, you don't know. By the way, all the guys that used to play all the pranks on people, they're all dead, by the way, just so you know. So, yep. and I, that's not saying, I'm just saying, look, maybe some of the things these people did, as funny as they are, weren't right. Maybe we got to look at it. You know what I mean? Around Absolutely. with other humans and causing Absolutely. people. But again, you raise, you raise a great point with Leo and he, he made a mistake very early on. He's very young. And it wasn't that long, and it wasn't that long no. ago. And he's a, he's a really young guy. I think he's super talented and, but talent does not matter there at all. And you if you're not a given opportunities or they control everything and you could be switching to a different role really quickly. And, you know, they could be having him do these things or asking him to do things that nobody else is being asked to do. And it is offensive to him on that. And uh, when you single it out is just, well, nobody else is having to do this, but I think in his head, if it is going on and that is, the, it is connected all the, which is very possible that it is. You almost you almost have to eat for a bit, and I don't know for I how know. long. And it's and I hate, that's exactly how I felt looking at this whole thing. I go like, it really sucks what's happening. However, he did make like a really big mistake and insulted someone who was friends to a lot of these top people. talent there now. I remember Bray yeah. Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's a great guy, a great human being, and I remember Bray was extremely uh, upset over that. Is a yep. lot of people probably were. And Kevin Owens, I remember, was pissed about it. Yeah. And a lot of the top talent, like you said, were pissed about it. So I do feel like 
wrestlers don't forget things like no. that. You know, it's you have to do a lot to gain. That's a character that thing doing that, and then they instantly they it, it's just like well, man, um, yeah, that puts it in a different light a little bit when you got when yeah. you, when you look at it like that, and it makes it, it's. I'm, that's the only way I, I mean, like, I don't know if that's the reason, but I just, in my head, I go like, that has to be a big factor here. Yeah. Like of, of them pushing some music because even you, like, you know, it wasn't that long ago when you were there and even you're like, this isn't what this, this sounds so out of the ordinary. Yeah. And to me, I, go, I go like, well, yeah, it's because that's they, why I um, said that they, they hate them, you know, about like the, if somebody told me, carry my bag, punch him in the face, like, but it's this information is a little it's and I'm not defending Leo and any of yeah. it. I'm just making I know how they operate on things and how they can make somebody look as bad as they want to make them look publicly online with a lot of false reports. And I think people do need to understand that. But how long do we hold that against Leo also for the tweet that like I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but is he in a position to really to tough to tough thing? I listened to him on Lillian Garcia's podcast, and he very much learned from that and has, has – he hit rock bottom because of that and has really tried to turn things around in his life. So I feel like, you know, he – in my mind, I feel like he had – he deserves another chance, but I can see how others might not feel that way. However, to your point about the whole stories being leaked out thing, uh, here's what he had to say about – this is what Leo Rush had to say about that in that Fightful interview. He said, me and Finn are cool, and my wife has never been an issue. There is someone who works for WWE who has hated me since the days I worked for ROH, and now that they work for WWE, they're leaking false information to get me released. At a certain point – I have to defend myself, so that's what I decided to do. We're all human, and we're all grown-ass adults. The kind of shit that flies backstage is ridiculous, and I'm surprised more people aren't speaking up. He needs to release the name of the person that's doing it. That's 100%. I mean, it's... I don't, I don't want to, like... I, I don't want to be the one calling this out, but I feel like... And we'll talk when we're not recording. <laughs> but I feel like if you, if, if you did a little bit of Googling, it would be much easier Clear. to figure really? out who it is. Yeah, yeah. Just based on that, like wrestler or, it, or backstage it producer that for ROH thing. Backstage producer. Okay, okay. I'll yeah. have to. I'll have to uh, think about it for a second. <laughs> I'm not even aware of who's who's all there. <laughs> Wait, if I text you, can you just not say it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Hold on. People are like, "Oh, you guys suck." What are you? Podcast. I just I just texted it to you. Let's see, but uh, oh okay, I did not. I didn't know that. That was uh, yeah. Okay. He's a yeah. <laughs> um, so um, <sighs> it's unfortunate. But Mark Carano, though I know, does it too. Just for the record, the Heater MC on Twitter. If you guys want to go and spam his account, I'll be honest, man. I've worked in news for ten years, and he's never contacted me once. So maybe I'm doing something wrong here. I think uh, he, no, he, he's he would be top secret with their stuff if he did it. They. Because there's somebody in that very tight circle in there that that quickly gets things out that are not true, and uh... yeah, well that that I understand, dude. Yeah, your uh, your tweet uh, on on Carano was uh, was legit, was serious. Oh yeah, no, his wife left him days before I think they were gonna get supposed to get married because he's a piece, of and I mean that like sincerely. It's he's, he, a, he's not a good human being. Here. He said, uh, I just want people to understand that, 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 that goes on and that you got to look at things, the fairly and not just everything you read is true. And 
Leo not defending him. I'm sure he's done. We've seen him do wrong in the past. So, but I think there's definitely some things going on that that not everything's being told. Yeah. No, I I I I think I I don't think you're entirely wrong there. Uh, well, let's. We spent a lot of time on Leo Rush. I want to hear your thoughts on a few other things, actually, once I was looking through your feed. So uh, what did you think about the John Moxley video? Uh, d- you know, Dean Ambrose put out a video uh, looking like it's like he's going to return to the indies in some in some way, shape, or form, or so, uh, wrestle outside of WWE as yeah. his character John Moxley again. Uh, but he posted that video. It was pretty cool. I liked the video. What did you think of it? thought it was awesome. Breaking out of prison. Shawshank Redemption. I've told you how many times here. It is... That was, he, he was uh, freeing himself, and uh, I thought it was well done, and uh, I'm excited for him, He's because uh, he, he's not stopping. So it will be very, I would think the smart move for him financially would be go right to AEW, um, but he, he could go have a run on the independence for a year and make more money than he's ever made, in all seriousness. He might not wrestle in front of some of the biggest crowds, but financially, he—I mean, for at least a couple of years, he could. I think he it could be six months. I think he may go that route, possibly, just to have a little fun, because he to creatively do whatever he wants to do and not answer to anybody, and uh, pick and choose when he wants to work. And then maybe he goes to AEW. I don't know, or he just goes straight there. But he—I'm uh, happy for him, man. He—he uh, he has a good name to himself. He, he's a good guy, and I always enjoyed working with him and. He marches. He marches to the beat of his own drummer. Marches. To, is that right? The his own drum. Mar, yeah, his own drum. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Marches to the, to the beat of his yeah. own drum. Yeah, dumb right back. <laughs> we could edit that out there. I don't know. Make me sound a little more intelligent when I'm. Uh, <laughs> no, but he's uh, he's a good guy. So I think I think I love the video. I, I thought it got good way to get excitement for him. And uh, I don't know if he came. I'm sure he came up with the Dean Ambrose name, but. They uh, they like to keep everything. So, yeah, he uh, you know I also love the video. I thought it was very cool, and I agree with you that I think that the smart move would be to go to AEW. Um, I know that the the vibe of people online is that maybe AEW helped produce that since it was so well done, and it's almost that's what I thought like as well. Thing. That was too well done, almost. Right. When I watched that, I go. I was like, I was just. I was like, man, that looks like that was pretty expensive to get done. Right. Organized. I mean, in camera shots and it, the and lighting, the, the fake you bricks. Rent the ring. That's just not, not cheap. No, none of that was cheap. None of that was cheap. Uh, so I thought the same thing when watching it. And, and then there was also that one little moment in the video where he walks by the dice on the wall and there's the Viper Room logo or whatever. Um, but the Viper Room logo has a two and a five in it, which is, and May 25th is, uh. is double or nothing. So there was like that. I don't know if it's actually, if that was intentional or not. I just don't know what the point of having the Viper Room logo was. Yeah. If, if, if it's not intentional, um, the videos but, need to have like the old NW, the following advertisement was paid for, but in just AEW, just rating talent and just very <laughs> subtle, just selling at the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, you know, I, I also think that, you know, Dean Ambrose leaving WWE is one of those things where I go like that to me is a sign like that, mm-hmm. that to me is, is evidence of how frustrated some people are in the company. I mean, Dean Ambrose is, you're talking about, you know, 
when you were talking a minute ago about like there being almost two levels in WWE of like the the the, the ones making a lot of money. And he the was taken care of all not. from day one. Yeah, yeah, he was the making a lot of money guy. I mean, yeah. he was one of the featured acts that they cared about. You from know, that, that they, yeah. You I mean you know that more than anyone? Who they didn't embarrass on his way out either, by the way. No, which is and, never and, happens. Which is which is why I still. Still a little skeptical of, of all this, but I don't know. I, I'm not too. I don't need too conspiracy theory here. But yeah. but but what I was gonna say is like you know as evidence for the backstage area, you know like they've always treated Dean well. Yep. Uh, you know whether you liked <clears throat> his booking or not, he was always featured, made a ton of money. He basically walked away in essence from millions of dollars yeah. to go roll around in barbed wire in front of 150 people yeah. just for fun. Yeah. And that to me is like that's crazy. Like, and I, maybe it's just because I love money, and I would have a hard time walking away it, from. It won't be money. just for fun, though. He'll be making he'll be making more <laughs> per match than he's ever made. It's just so everyone is well aware. He that that will not be for free. That you will. Think that's like ten thousand dollars, like like per booking, something like that. No, less. Uh, no, because they won't make money. I I don't think it, most of the guys. I don't think he go over five. I five. Always, that's that. I think that's the kind of that was the max out number on mine for two years. Yeah. It was, yeah. uh, and because they got to be able to make money off you. That's why, like, when like Taker has these these ones for appearances, they have to charge a ton and get a certain amount of people to even come close. And a lot of those guys will probably. I, I've always heard of guys like Sting and some of the other guys that command a higher fee, and rightfully so. They, but a lot of these promoters will lose money at times, because, and it's more just a thing of getting to meet these guys. Sometimes they, I imagine, some of them make money that run it really well. But as far as like a wrestling event and some of these places are not running these massive venues, there's a, a cap on what you can get back. And I don't know yeah. what Dean's value is. It, it, he, he might be able to get 7,500. He might. I don't yeah. know. I think five is the the safe bet. And in yeah. so, a lot of places can't do that either. You still limit yourself when you do that. But I think he could, I think for a year he could book himself up full and yep. make more money than he ever made. So it was like my first two years when I left were were financially unbelievable. So, so. I also really, I mean, just the, the the attitude era fan in me. I, I would love for Dean Ambrose to be the Lex Luger of the new, you know, AEW WWE battle for the first episode of whatever their TV show is going to be of Dean Ambrose showing up. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I I don't know. I, I'd be into that. Absolutely no. I think they and I think they're aware of that of. They could do something big with Dean because he's fresh off of TV, and that thing is right around the corner. And it is that's as close as you can get from showing up one week to the next week on another show. And it would get WWE viewers that are kids that are fully aware of Dean because a lot of kids are, are, are Dean Ambrose fans. And he who went out as actually, I was actually shocked too that they had him. They switched him back to babyface leaving um, because typically what they'll do too is they'll turn you heel and kind of run you down. And, and job you out, and like when you're healed too, and you don't have as many kids following you and whatnot, and they turned him back babyface and kind of gave him a really nice send off, and which they've never done for anyone. No, which in their minds maybe they're they're praying that because they've taken care of him that he'll be you know loyal and come back at some point and whatnot. But and, and he was taken care of financially better than other guys, but still could be very unhappy. Because what they've done is they've lowered that pay scale for the top guys compared to what it used to be. And you're not allowed to ask questions or really anything on it. And you're going to take, if you're getting $2 million or $3 million, you're going to take 2 or $3 million. You're not going to raise 
questions and risk that because they'll just transfer it to somebody else, essentially, and whatnot. But the he dealt with deals with. Uh, I've seen it in, with all of us, and we were in that. Like it exists from top to bottom, so everyone's dealing with all the. It's just some people are making a lot more money than others dealing with it. So, but that tells you when you're when you walk away from something like that that there's definitely some red flags, one hundred percent. Has to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned uh, millions of dollars right there. And I think that's a perfect segue into the next topic. Goldberg is returning to WWE and it's okay. going down in Saudi Arabia. They're, they're, they're returning to Saudi Arabia next month as part of their deal with the General Sports Authority there. Uh, what do you think about Goldberg coming back again? I'd be I'd be interested in knowing what they are going to pay for that, and if it was like a Saudi thing, if they had requested him or whatnot. But I and I, I'd mentioned this in, I, in an interview I just did that's going to be coming out. People, there was one of the questions was uh, with the John Oliver stuff in WWE, and is there anything they could do that you know that that wouldn't directly affect their bottom line? And the you know, yeah, you could stop paying all this money to people for these Saudi shows that are, you know, they're, they're not wrestling anymore and, and take that money and invest it in the current group of talents that you have in different ways, hotels and rental cars and things of that nature. Um, he's Goldberg though. They, they wanted requested to see him. They've, you know, in WWE, it's none of my business financially. What somebody, I'm all for everybody making as much money as possible. Like I'll never, ever talk negatively of anything like that. Well, um, I, I saw I saw the, the 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 wrestler I saw Randy Orton and Rusev tweeting uh, two million about yeah. about Goldberg, but you know I know that not I know the, the like the the word uh, is that like when they're bringing those guys out, it's in the millions. Like that's what million, I have seen as well. Yeah, million, something like that. And what the the frustration comes from talent there that are working all year long doing everything that's asked of them and not having anywhere near that. It's like the video game thing where they paid the fan the million dollars and have Xavier Woods and somebody and there was a close-up of Xavier. AJ Styles and Xavier Woods are handing the guy the million-dollar check. It's probably more than both of them made that year. Like, it's <laughs> totally. crazy. And maybe not AJ. they probably done well. I will say, from the people I spoke with about, about the Saudi Arabia shows, yeah, I heard some people who are not Goldbergs who are, you know, lower on the card, especially in Vince's eyes, who were making more than they've made at WrestleMania, their payday for those shows. Well, they're getting a ton of money for those shows, so it's possible the paydays are are obviously phenomenal from those shows, which is why they're going there. With with everything going on, political or not, like money talks, and and that that Saudi money is covering up a lot of other problems in WWE also, and and on their quarterly reports and things of that nature when they're plugging those in which we just saw on the last uh, report there that the numbers came in lower than expected. There was no Saudi show figured into that. So it's, I mean, I, I think it's, if Bill gets a payday to go in and spear and jack him or somebody and the Saudi fans who've maybe never seen him get to see him, then it's a win for everyone on that. But from a, a talent standpoint, I can, everyone's always going to be frustrated when they bring back names and whatnot and, and spend that kind of money because of the working conditions on other things that do need to be improved. I have a question. It, you know, Mick Foley said this week that for the right price, if, you know, the Saudi general sports authority wanted to see in the rematch of the famous Helena cell between him and Taker, he'd, he'd do it for the right yeah. price. I saw you tweet 
that you'd come, you would love to come back, or that you'd come back to WWE for one match with Goldberg. Yeah. I saw you had a few, you had a few, uh, you know, addendums there to it or whatever. But yeah. let's say, let's say this Saudi prince is a Ryback Mark. Yeah. And he wants to see that match. That I'll be honest, I wanted to see it. Goldberg versus Ryback. I wanted it when I was there, and Triple H used on him to me and say, "You don't want that match." <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Hundred on everyone. I've told everyone. I asked multiple times. It, it was. It was. There was no better time. There are different points there to do that. And Hunter used to do. I'm literally chanting Goldberg at you. Dude. Yeah. I can't believe it. I. I still can't. Whether believe I was a heel, like that, when I was a heel, would have been the perfect opportunity. I used to do promos over in England, talking about taking a big fat Goldberg in the middle of the ring when they would chant it in the crowd. This is why, by the way, and that was no, that was as a heel in character. That was nothing yeah. personal, personal with Goldberg. That was my way because WWE used to make me not allow me to acknowledge it on TV, which is the worst thing you could do. When you could acknowledge it, every live event, no kidding, Ryan, on those shows, crowd, entire crowd popped and turned them instantly. They quit chanting it because I acknowledged it. And I knew I was of just course. like this, which is why, and like Miz and all the guys, oh my God, that was genius that was amazing that and it was just me being me when i was allowed but on tv i wasn't allowed to do that and whatnot and that match would have been great and i would have no problem as a heel putting bill over on any of that like in the right scenario yeah. on that like in any scenario on that as far as doing if it made sense business wise and we gave the fans we were allowed to go out there and give them the match i know that we could give them like in bill's older now i could still go with the best of them i no doubt i'm as confident as ever but it would uh it would take, if that was something that was brought up and uh, I wouldn't have to really deal with anybody there, it would just be dealing with Bill and the people involved in the match and come in and, like I'd said, I, I, there, I would like a couple things to be done, whether publicly or private. Yeah, and like I said, that malpractice suit, like that's something that really a serious issue that they're going to have to deal with here sooner or later, and we'll get more into that. But uh, I always thought that match was there. It probably still is. I don't know. But I think for a one-off like that in Saudi Arabia, probably don't have to deal with Vince or any of them. And it would be, it'd be that would probably be the most likely scenario that I could, I could go do one hard match and then go back to my stem cells. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say, so, so if the, if the Saudi prince out there ever wanted it, you'd be down. Yeah. But I, I, I have a feeling like I, the following over there was very strong when I was around the world for different times. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they already did ask, and I don't think that be. I think I'm the one guy they won't they won't bring back. Persona non, your persona non grata. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're. Uh, I don't think they would. Uh, oh, he's not available. It's probably the the that, answer. That that meat is not on the table right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Very possible. No, but uh, if it was the right circumstances for one awesome match, yeah, I could do it. Nice. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I mean, you, I mean, I know that, you know. Well, let's let's before we before we people are listening, be like, how are you just gonna move on? You wouldn't have a problem with like, you know, the stuff that's gone on out there with like, you know, the beheadings and the you know the journalist that was murdered and all that kind of stuff. You'd still you, you wouldn't have an issue with kind of like taking that money. No, that's a tough that's uh that's a tough call on that too. But if everybody else has taken it and it's not the money is for a performance and the for wrestling. That money isn't, you know, again, that you deal, there's no right or wrong answer on that. I feel like yeah, totally. people are going to hate you. it would I'm talking in if it wasn't even Saudi, 
if it's just one awesome match for that in the right circumstances, and and like I said, those the things that I would want them to do were met. That would be it. Would be a possibility, but that is like I don't like to get involved with like political things of that nature because totally. there's no winning on that. There's I don't agree necessarily. I, it's a lot of up things go on around the world, and it's and I like I said when we went over there before I've been over there and they treated us absolutely amazing. And I remember being in the hotel and we weren't allowed to leave the hotel and they had a nice gym there. Beautiful hotel. They, we were told beheadings go on down the road from where we're at. And, and that was no, like, that wasn't like to like kind of scare us. It was like, no, the beheadings go on. And that was told to me by one of the security, the people <sighs> members. And I just was very, that it's an uncomfortable environment when you're not away. And I felt that way in many places when I wasn't in the United States. We have it very good over here. And it, it, it's there's other things that go on in, in other parts of the world that um, it, I wish didn't go on. And it, it, But it, things are the way they are in different places. But as WWE so superstars, they always treated WWE superstars in a different light because it was going over there for entertainment. As talent, though, and I could say... I was scared at different points traveling to different places, absolutely, and whatnot. But this is a wrestling event, and it's like I said, it's business with Vince and them, and they're getting paid all this money and to do these big shows, and they are providing great entertainment doing it for the. And if you look at it in the positive, these kids and people growing up in that environment, you're showing them this other, this something, giving them these good memories that maybe in the. I don't know how it necessarily changes their culture, but as far as like maybe the women's stuff and the women, maybe they can help with that a little bit and whatnot. So there is some stuff to that, but it's ultimately being done for money still. But if there's some positives that can come from it, great. But I mean, so then thing. I feel like, so then you don't feel like it's fully the, the kind of company line of like, yeah, like we realize bad things are happening here, but we're trying to bring entertainment to these people too. Like it didn't, kind of does feel like because i do feel from talking to wrestlers and stuff that that they do truly kind of believe that they don't feel like you have to though i mean yeah Yeah. you want to believe that and it it is and you because you can have that impact in a positive way with how people view wrestling it's just ultimately the the first decision it it's not like they're going well we need to go to saudi arabia we need to make change over there that's not what's fueling (laughs) that business decision it's oh here's all this money okay, we can now also say this, it's a good public perception, and it's true too, but that wasn't what made the deal happen, and that's just business and whatnot. Sure. I think people just need to understand that. But if you could do some good with the business, then it doesn't hurt. So, Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. No, absolutely. I, uh, I, you know, if... I'm not going to Saudi Arabia, though, anybody. The match isn't happening. They're not going to apologize. They're not <laughs> going... Like, it's not... I said that fully aware of that knowing... That I'm at two more stem cell procedures in July. But if by chance they apologized and said, look, the say, Saudi prince, here's $5 million, dollars, and I'd be like, <laughs> you're going to get a call from Vince McMahon tomorrow apologizing, and then you're like, you'll see my uh, Instagram live Rocky training montage of doing 100 burpees every day and getting ready, swimming, getting beefed up to the max to put that meat back on the table and shell shot Goldberg into eternity. Over there in Saudi, that's it. <laughs> I will say my my uh, my real conspiracy theory involving Saudi Arabia right now is that they want Stone Cold, and that he the reason he's gone dark 
it, it does isn't doing his podcast and everything because I remember like is he not doing his remember, podcast? No, he hasn't been doing his podcast for a little bit, and I it all started back when he said that he was uh, not drinking because he was getting into shape. Yeah, and I remember thinking like, hmm, wonder what he's getting back into shape for. And then he stopped doing his podcast and. Like yeah, I'm pretty sure he hasn't had a new episode in months. I Which hold on. I would imagine he was making a good amount of coin doing that podcast too, with yes, his followers. That was, I mean, that was his, that was his, you know, that was his thing. Yeah, that's where he was making all his money. I from. love Austin, man. I enjoy doing his show. He's a, me and Hit have had some conversations uh, off the air a couple times, few times about different things. He's a He's a man's man. He's a smart guy. He's uh, I I always enjoyed him. I wish so. So he's been playing old. They they've been airing old episodes for months, at least since January, and maybe even before because I can't go back deeper. That's very interesting. I, I wonder what's going on with that. He got he was starting to get in shape again, and then he went dark on his podcast, and I've been just been like, hmm. Hmm. You like, think Austin's going to come back and make a Saudi appearance? Well, we've never seen Austin versus Hogan. What's the... I <laughs> I don't know if those... I think... So, I think a lesson what needs to be learned about that. The, the Taker and Kane versus Sean and Hunter match in Saudi. Father Time doesn't... Is undefeated. And uh, I, I don't... I, I think those guys... That money, though, that's the thing. If you throw the, hey, guys, here's five or ten million to come back and let's just do it. And uh, it's very, you know. Like if they're willing to pay three million dollars, that's like the rumor I've heard. Three million for Shawn Michaels, right? If they're willing to pay three million for Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And I don't know that's what he bought. I just like that's like one of the rumors I had always heard. Yep. I feel like they'd pay In which he didn't want to come back. And eventually they hit the number that was like, yeah, I'd be stupid not to take this amount of money. And And now Stone Cold is suddenly getting back into shape, not doing his number one money-making thing. Yeah. Uh, The neck that shouldn't be wrestling, then it's, uh, well, I guess if I get $5 million, I could get another surgery or just. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And Hogan going like, well, I got this bionic hip now. I got one more leg drop in me. How do you do that match, though? How do you even. You got to be, it's got to be similar to Rock versus Hogan, where they didn't do a lot, but it's just the atmosphere of the. Yeah, yeah. And Saudi would be the play. It's not, let's be honest, it's not going to be worse than that tag match we saw. Over no, there with those no, guys, so it's they got that going for them. That like, look, no matter what, we aren't going to have the worst match ever coming back. And like that match already happened over in Saudi. Like it was, and everyone knows. Yep. Like that's not like anything. It's, but that was the most expensive worst match in the history of wrestling. Absolutely, and I, 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 I if they were willing to do that, yeah, I feel like they. If there's one dream match you'd want to pay for that has not been seen. It's Hulk Hogan versus Stone Cold. You imagine that Saudi card Ryback versus Goldberg, Hogan versus Austin. Just let these rematch mania. Just let these Saudi shows just be known for having just just the worst matches ever. Just all these guys just taking millions, just botches left and right. Just yeah, let's do it. I'm into it. Let's let's bring it. I uh, matches for the next one. I uh, man. Again, again, Hogan and Austin, they, they have two things going for them that, that they can't ha- over there in Saudi. 
you have that tag match that happened, and then you have the Titus O'Neil incident. They they at worst they're going to be third. Like that's, yeah. but reaction wise, exactly. it will like skew everybody. So it will be awesome. So, and there are people who are like boycotting watching those shows. So like some of those like really vocal people who are really angry on the internet aren't even going to watch it. Yeah. So like even better, you know, like you just, you know. And then they got the footage forever, and they could market it and do a lot of different things and make a lot of money down the road with it. And man. <laughs> That's, uh, or, you know, they just do some sort of short little thing where, you know, there's a leg drop and a stunner, or, like, job out Rusev again or something and have Rusev and, like Rusev and like Sami Zayn in the middle of the ring talking. Hogan's music, come out, brother. They stop him. They beat him down. Glass shatters. Couple stunners, couple leg drops. Have some Saudi beer over there, whatever it is you guys do. Or do some old duels and... and that's just printing money. <laughs> I like how you've instantly uh, volunteered Rusev in this position. And Sami Zayn. And Sami Zayn. Yeah. And Sami Zayn. <laughs> Let him go out there and really just rip into the crowd and then hopefully have some protection for him and then hit that American music and then the glass breaking and uh, everybody, everyone's happy. I'm sorry, Rusev, but you come on. <laughs> All right, well, that's all I got from this week. All right. uh, make sure you guys go check out my website, ProWrestlingSheet.com. It's where you can read all the top stories throughout the week. It's at WrestlingSheet on social media. You can find me. I'm at Ryan Satin. And you can find my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash C slash WrestlingSheet. That's where we do Raw and SmackDown recaps every week. They're on video, but it's also on audio as well. You can find it by searching Wrestling Sheet Radio on all the major podcast platforms. Good deal, Ryan. Appreciate it as always, guys. And we'll be right back after these messages. You've heard us talk about Real Good Foods before on the podcast and just how much I love their Real Good pizzas and enchiladas. Now Real Good Foods also has their new poppers, which are a super low carb cross between a chicken nugget and a jalapeno popper. All of their foods are low carb, grain free, gluten free, and keto friendly. Most items have as low as three to four grams of carbs per serving. From their chicken crust pizza, enchiladas, cauliflower crust pizzas, snack bite pizzas, and poppers, you can't go wrong with anything from Real Good Foods. All items are available at realgoodfoods.com, on Amazon, and in retail locations all over the country, with a store locator on their website. Save 10% with discount code RYBACK off of realgoodfoods.com. Real Good Foods. Feed. Me more. Summer is approaching fast and now is the time to not only get your diet on track, but also stock up on Feed Me More Nutrition. You can save 20% with discount code PODCAST20. Whether you're looking for long-lasting clean energy with our Wake Up Unlimited Energy, available in pink lemonade and our new green apple, melting fat off of Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner, or getting a great night's rest with our powerful all-natural GTS Go to Sleep. Feed Me More Nutrition has you covered with seven different products that contain no artificial colors or sweeteners and use more natural ingredients that work synergistically to give you the results you deserve. Available on FeedMeMore.com and Amazon. Feed Me More. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the big guy, Ryback, and I want to talk to you about Fuel Meals. 
my personal meal prep service I've been using for years. Meal prep at your doorstep. Fuel Meals at FuelMeals.com has something for everybody. An easy way to eat healthy in this fast-paced life we are all living. Whenever I'm in a pinch, I go to my Fuel Meals and I love it. I love to eat real food, but the fact is I can't cook for every single meal of the day. So Fuel Meals come in handy for me when I need it most, and I think it could help you too. Tell them the big guy sent you and use discount code the big guy to save 15%. Fuelmeals.com. Feed me more. I am back. I was going to say we are back. Just me this week. Guys, I want to thank Chris Van Vliet uh, for coming on the podcast. And uh, that was a really fun uh, interview. He's a great guy. Give him a follow on social media. And uh, he's killing it on YouTube and uh, doing some of the, the best interviews out there. So it was a pleasure to have him on the show this week. And as always with Ryan Satin, it is, uh, I just, I thoroughly enjoy mixing it up with him and, uh, talking a little bit of wrestling. He's, uh, he's a good dude. And he's, uh, we, we talk before the show, after the show and whatnot. It's just not recording. And, uh, I get along with him really well. So I appreciate him making time each and every week to come on here and talk a little bit of pro wrestling with me and whatnot on that. I do want to thank, uh, wiretap radio, wiretap radio on Instagram and Twitter for working with the show at the wrestling classic on Instagram. Give him a follow a wrestling historian on Instagram as well. And Twitter and the wrestling classic on Twitter as well. Uh, Larry helps set up some of these pro wrestling interviews. And, uh, we got Chris Pavone coming on next week. He used to be with the dude busters. He is the host of the Chris Pavone show giving you your weekly dose of positivity. And uh, we're going to bring some positivity to this show next week with Chris. I'm, I'm really looking forward. He's been one of my good, good friends in pro wrestling. He's uh, probably one of the best human beings I've ever met. And uh, we have a lot of funny stories. I, doing my notes for that is going to be quite interesting, going back and reminiscing of uh, all the different stories we have. And it'll be fun to hear what, uh, what he has to say as well. Uh, big thank you to Real Good Foods, one of our main sponsors of this show, realgoodfoods.com. You could save 15% with discount code Ryback, betonline.ag. I want to thank them for working with the podcast as well. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. You can use urlclnsmedia.com slash your, uh, slash my custom URL, slash Ryback, clnsmedia.com slash Ryback. Promo code CLNS50. You get 50% cashback bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag for all your sports online betting needs. With that, with that, we can cue up a little classical music here. Go out on a good note. Do a little bit of plugs here, guys. I thank you guys for listening each and every week. If you could also leave a review on iTunes, subscribe. Please share this podcast where you guys were growing. And uh, we're doing more and more interviews. We've got some really cool guests. Hopefully going to have Macaulay Culkin on here coming up in June. So uh, it's, that's going to be a fun one for me. And uh, going to continue reaching out to more people in health and fitness. And uh, I enjoy doing the interviews and uh, doing the wrestling with Ryan Satin and whatnot. So going forward, we're going to be doing more and more of that. Um, trying to help you bring you guys information to help you learn. Uh, because I like learning and doing these interviews uh, challenges challenges me and allows me to step out of my comfort zone a little bit 
and uh, and learn. And I think that's, you know, and have simple conversations with people from all different walks of life. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to some of the guests that we do have coming up. All fan mail, please send to P.O. Box 752-740, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89136. Support the show on Patreon.com slash Ryback. Check out all our Feed Me More Nutrition merchandise for Feed Me More Nutrition on Amazon under Feed Me More Nutrition t-shirts. And we also have apparel on FeedMeMore.com. Feed Me More Nutrition available on Amazon, FeedMeMore.com. Also on the um, Feed Me More Nutrition there, guys, on Amazon. If you guys, if you're going to be purchasing any of the Finish It Branch Chain Amino Acids, we, we had an issue where we were the only seller on Amazon. Um, as you know, and you heard me talk about it, I don't want to dwell on it. We've had problems with Amazon in the past. Um, we're, we got we got kicked out of the buy box for and no explanation. Nothing happened. Um, but I'm the only seller, and really that shouldn't happen. But it, I've seen that it has happened to other people before for no rhyme or reason. And Amazon's not necessarily the best at communicating um, when there's a problem. And so we we there are no problems, but... We're not being able to run ads on Amazon for the Finish It Branch Chain Amino Acid because I'm not in the buy box, which it's a complicated thing to explain. But if you know Amazon, you know what I'm talking about. But the only way to get back in the buy box is we need to get more sales on the product now because I wasn't allowed to advertise it all of April. So the sales went down on the product, which they're saying is why it's not in the buy box. But we're not allowed to run ads to have sales because we got kicked out of the buy box. So... We got the new and improved formula on Amazon. Check that out, guys. If you make your purchases for Finish It BCAA on Amazon, it's greatly appreciated. Your positive reviews. If you can go on and you like the supplements, guys, if you could please go to Amazon and leave a positive review, it really, really, really helps. We need to get more reviews on the supplements. And I can't thank you guys enough for it uh, as we continue to move forward. But your reviews are truly, truly greatly appreciated uh, on that. For all personal video shout-outs from myself, Cameo.com slash the big guy Ryback. Wake up, it's feeding time by motivational book available on Amazon and paperback audible in Kindle formats. Fuelmeals.com, my personal meal prep service. You've seen them on my Instagram and Twitter. Save 15% with discount code the big guy. Follow us on social media. I'm the big guy Ryback22 on Instagram, Ryback22 on Twitter, all the other accounts you guys can find on from my main accounts there was that i won't bore you with all of those youtube.com slash feed me more channel please subscribe we got asian joe now taking over the youtube channel we're going to be bringing better content on that and making that better getting that going the way it should have been from the beginning guys thank you guys for listening very much you've just listened to another episode of conversation with the big guy Ryback. feed me more with the big guy Ryback. Subscribe, like, rate, comment.